Captain Sam, can you hear me? On your left. Talking Nerdy, we have made it to episode 100. Woo! Yay! And we got a special kind of supersized episode here. My my thought behind this was uh, the inspiration was WrestleMania 2. WrestleMania 2, when that occurred, and, and lately I've been trying to include a wrestling reference in every episode, so that's why I'm bringing up WrestleMania 2. But when it happened, it happened in three different locations. And so what I thought would be great for this, make it a supersize episode, essentially have three different segments, have one long super bonus thing, and celebrate the craziness that is this show but again tim jowsman here i'm gonna say this without any hyperbole we got joining us one of the greatest legal minds in the pacific northwest we got <laughs> professor aubrey hi everybody okay and we got a special guest here tell the folks who you are um tracy, tracy. <laughs> i am tracy yes tracy um she actually named the show here and we are Finally glad to uh, have her on after all this time. Now, um, one thing we ask people when they're on the show for the first time. What is your nerd origin story? 
My nerd origin story. Um, so I guess considering the thing that I'm nerding out the most about is kind of more the performance end of things, and I know we'll probably get more into that later, mm -hmm. so I won't get into that far. But as far as the origin of all of it, um, like any awesome story, I was going through a really shitty breakup and wound up uh, hanging out with my good friend Steve Moreno. He's actually, quick little plug, hope that's fine. He's a local uh, stand-up comic here, yep. sometimes performs in Portland's Funniest. But we had begun our friendship in Arizona, and he got me into stand-up comedy, which then got me into uh, an improv workshop and working with uh, Tim O'Malley from Second City mm -hmm. and Jessica from uh, Second City Hollywood. Uh, really fun workshop. Um, never will forget it. So just to kind of, before I even moved to Portland, was that's what really got me into kind of what I currently nerd about. Nice. All right. So let's start with the show proper here. Um, you... We're going to talk about politics. That's right. Um, not exactly politics. Uh, I, it's, it's 2020, <laughs> and a couple of things have happened um, or are happening this year that are um, great for women, and I was just feeling really happy and excited about them, so I thought I'd just mention a couple of things. And the first is um, that 2020 is the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which is the amendment to our Constitution that gave women the right to vote. So for 100 years now, American women have been voting, and so this will be um, a hopefully historic 2020 victory where women can finally get together and maybe vote as a block. Girl power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, She's like, what have I joined? <laughs> <laughs> But I haven't really heard much like hype about like oh it's 2020. But the anniversary of the ratification is um, not until August, and so maybe there'll be some more things this summer. Um, and then the other thing that happened at the end of January is that the state of Virginia became the 38th state to ratify the um, Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution. About mm -hmm. time. And that's how many states it takes to ratify a constitutional amendment. The amendment was originally proposed in the early 1970s and passed Congress back then, but then didn't get ratified by the proper number of states until, uh, I think it was January 19th, 2020. So it took 50 years for there to be enough states ratify that amendment which basically just says that um, the people's rights won't be abridged on the on account of sex. Now, why is that important? Why is <laughs> why is not being discriminated against on the basis of sex important? Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna assume that's a friendly leading question and not ignorance? Not ignorance coming from me. On that your never part. happens. <laughs> Because I do Hard know you, and I know that you <laughs> understand <laughs> the importance of um, equal rights for everyone. Of course. Yes, of course. Um, but we just put men and women on an equal playing field in terms of their rights and responsibilities. Um, back when it almost passed, right after it got... Um, right after it was passed by Congress, it almost got ratified by the proper number of states. It happened really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a woman named Phyllis Shafley. I don't know if you've ever heard of Phyllis Name Shafley. sounds familiar. She was a very weird sort of 50s housewifey um, cult of true womanhood kind of figure. 
and she made a bunch of arguments about how women would be subject to the draft, women would be um, expected to serve in combat roles in the military, women would have to use the same bathrooms as men, um, women wouldn't have the same protections in the workplace um, in terms of special protections for, for women um, in certain jobs. And that... Um, Let ne- go a little deeper on that. What do you mean by that? And I'm truly curious. I'd... Yeah, so... Um, so the, the, the Civil Rights Act, essentially, which is a statute as opposed to a constitutional amendment, um, gives people the, the right to not be discriminated against on the basis of sex, along mm-hmm. with national origin, race, and... Um, Everything else. Ethnicity, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that already existed. So, to some extent, this idea of that there are special protections for women is a little is a little outdated. But um, there are some special things for women, particularly pregnant women, in the workplace. Maybe having certain uh, personal protective equipment or um, job duty adjustments related to that particularly gender related disability. Well, I mean, that that would be comparable, I guess, to, like, if somebody, it, you know, I mean, if a guy gets hurt at a job and, or disabled or something like that, then that job is going to have to um, make arrangements to, you know, make sure that that person is able to do their job to the, to the best of their ability. So th- what would be the difference? I mean, what... Oh, well, I think Phyllis Shafley was full of shit. There okay. was no actual difference. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, but I thought... You're sorry, the lawyer. I'm sorry. I was making... Because of that, I was sort of making her... Trying to make her argument for her. Okay. Well, which I'm not going to do because her argument is bullshit. She's a bitch. No. <laughs> she is. She is a total... Which I think she's dead now, maybe, but... Good. Oh, well. <laughs> she got what she deserved, apparently. <laughs> Don't we all, eventually? Mm-hmm. So, anywho, um, she sort of fomented <laughs> all of this um, sort of froth about um, women were going to lose a bunch of... Oh, the other one that I think some some people might find interesting <laughs> is um, the idea that there's a preference for child custody for children to go with their mother as opposed to father who might also be a fit parent. And that doesn't exist anymore. Like, in, uh, it doesn't exist... <laughs> okay. um, like, under the law, it doesn't. It there may still, in there fact still exist. Yeah. Yes, oh, there, yeah. there are definitely still biases, but it used to be actually written in the law that the kids would go with the mother unless the mother was unfit. The yeah. father's rights movement is still using, that's something else just side nerd about for me is the father's rights movement. So I know they're still doing a lot of work and like uh, some stuff that just passed in January, kind of some big moves, you know, courts can rule 50-50 parenting time now. Mm-hmm. I used to not be allowed. It had to be agreed upon by both parties. Um, and now that's no longer a thing in Oregon, which I'd be interesting to see how that's going. Uh, I follow the Oregon Father's Rights. So sorry, I I didn't mean to interrupt like your topic at all. Just, it is kind of related. That's what we do when they (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be polite over here like, yes, this is also, I'm going to cross my legs and look at you and like be very attentive and let you have this conversation with me. So sorry. So now I'll be more involved, I guess. (laughs) 
Yeah, so no, totally. That was the argument was that um, fathers might end up in having the same rights as mothers. And so it's oh, no. oh my fear. goodness, who could think that they're important? Like the 40 studies they've just summarized that show that being the fathers equally involved is actually better for the children. I don't know if you knew about those. Or, sorry, it's like something yeah, I've actually I'm read a lot a, about recently. I'm not a particularly um, parenting nerd at all, yeah. just because I'm not, I don't have kids. Stepmom. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad, the way I, I grew up with a dad, and there was like a lot of struggle there with custody, but mm. that was also like 20 years ago, so it's yeah. a lot harder. And in Texas. Yeah. Only yeah. mothers can be mothers in Texas. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was no, <laughs> he didn't even bother fighting it. Like, that's how bad it was back then. Mm. At least now men can fight. So there has been a lot of progress. There's just a little bit more that can maybe happen, but yeah. So, so it seems like the ER, the Equal Rights Amendment is a good thing. Would be a good thing for the fathers' rights movement, or basically anybody who is like seeking to have equality amongst people of different genders, yes. or to have gender be irrelevant to those kinds of decisions, like about family, about work, about all of the important stuff in our lives. Yeah. I think one of the best things I had read recently was like a visitation is for prisoners, not for fathers who want to be involved with their children. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's you know some powerful stuff out there trying to get attention to it. So And think about the military aspect as well. I mean, because I, I know for the longest time I was against the idea of women in combat, until I took the time to step back and think about it, and that is just as much patriarchy bullshit as anything else, because me as a guy is, is, is with my opinion, is essentially making decision for a woman who's f- obviously able to make that decision on their own. I mean, you think of the arguments that they've had in the past about women in combat. What if they're captured? This is going to happen to them. That's going to happen to them. A woman signing up for the military, I'm sure, has thought about all that. Yes. Right, and if you think about in, in 1972, right, the draft was still very much a, um, a a very, very real thing for people. And so now that we don't have the draft and we have a completely volunteer military, um, women who want to be in combat positions absolutely should be able to, to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a much harder sell when there is a, um, a draft where women who don't want to do that would be drafted. But you can look at um, countries like Israel where that happens. Like everybody has to register for selective service and everybody has to serve regardless of their gender. Gal Gadot, she was in Israeli military. I believe um, she was also in special forces or something like that. Cool. The best. So, I'm going to nod and act like I know who you're talking about. Wonder, Wonder Woman. Oh, Wonder Woman. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an asshole. <laughs> yeah, so it's unclear what happens now because there actually was a deadline in the original legislation and the deadline passed back in um, the 70s. And so um, the Supreme Court has essentially said that Congress can do whatever they want in terms of honoring the deadline or not honoring the deadline. So it remains to be seen what if anything happens as a result of Virginia. Long story short, vote. Yes. Vote early, vote often. (laughs) Yes, vote early, vote vote often. And even though it's a presidential election year, um, you know, keep in mind that all the other other candidates and as you get more local, a lot of things that are really important to people are hyper, hyper local. And so those people who represent you directly in Congress, people who represent you in the state legislature, your city council, metro uh, council, are really important to to pay attention to and vote for as well. And not just the presidential years. 
Yes. About all the years. About yeah. all the years. All of the years matter. See, it turns out. And they change things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all from either Oregon or Washington, I think. So we have the luxury of um, vote by mail, um, which is the most effective voting system. And I think both states do the automatic uh, register to vote. I think you have to opt out to mm-hmm. vote. Yeah. So that that's definitely important <laughs> as well. Just make sure you're not registered as an independent if you want to partake in any of the... Uh, primaries. Uh, thank you. The primaries. I like how you looked at me and you immediately knew I was going to space on that word, so thank you. <laughs> it's like, she doesn't seem like she keeps up with politics. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I mean, of course, no. My favorite humor done. is self-deprecating. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm like mastered in it after years of internally practicing. So. Yeah. I wouldn't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, being funny, you fail at that like a lot. <laughs> she would know. <laughs> but I'm Shh. All right, so we're going to go from one important topic to another important topic. We're going to talk about Looney Tunes. Yay! Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time with a great legal mind watching um, <laughs> watching Looney Tunes lately. It, it was Alan Dershowitz. We hang out about once a month, have salad. <laughs> He's a good kisser. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing how timeless they are. <clears throat> I mean, it, absolutely. You know, and and how progressive Looney Tunes, were, uh, you know, were even even you know back in the '30s and '40s. I mean, how Bugs would, you know, at the drop of a hat, get in a dress, start making out with Elmer. I mean, just so progressive in a lot of ways. So what I thought I would do is go through five of my favorite Looney Tunes characters, and then if you have any sort of comments on those particular characters, you know, feel free to interrupt and do so, because who needs to hear me ramble on and on? No particular order. Number one, Bugs Bunny. No particular order, really. Yeah, no particular order. Because um, he kind of seems like like the main, like if you think of Looney Tunes, you think of Bugs Bunny first, so it just feels like you went bigger to... Yeah, um, but still, I mean, you can't go wrong with bugs. Possibly I mean, even alphabetical, depending on how the rest of these land. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a Looney Tunes character start with the letter A? No. I don't think there is. It probably is bugs. It probably is bugs. Dun, dun, dun. But yeah, bugs. I mean, we were watching um, Bugs Bunny and the Three Bears. I, I absolutely love that cartoon. Oh, it's yeah, because the, the 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 Papa Bear. They were all hungry. The bears were hungry, and they wanted to uh, recreate Goldilocks and the Three Bears so they can have someone to eat. Um, and um, they, instead of having um, porridge, they had carrot soup. So of course, guess who shows up? Bugs, and you know, hijinks ensue. But the best part about that cartoon is when he kisses Bugs kisses Mama Bear, and then she decides that she wants uh, Papa Bear and Baby Bear to just go away and stop. And then she looks at Bugs and... <laughs> Tell me more about my eyes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so great. Just the rest of the cartoons that are just Bugs trying... You know, I feel like a sister to you. And he's, he's running away. And then just more of the laughing and more whatnot. But do you have a favorite Bugs Bunny cartoon? I totally do. It's the one um, with the Yoho Toho. Uh, Sword and Magic Helmet, where they're doing um, Wagner, uh, who was a German composer who wrote operas, mm. and um, he has this opera about Brunhilde and Siegfried, who are these two German um, yeah. folk characters, 
And uh, so if you if you think about the, the opera and the long blonde braids and the Viking helmet with the yeah. and the woman singing, oh, that's that opera. Mm-hmm. And they basically did a Bugs Bunny version of it. <laughs> I think which, I remember that. In like. which he Bugs dresses up like Brunhilde. Was he riding on the horse like side saddle? Yes, yes. <laughs> I know yeah. that part. Okay, see, I remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> I do not know about this Bugs being a homewrecker one that you were talking about, but <laughs> that one I remember the images of at least. Yeah. <laughs> and Elmer Fudd is Siegfried, and is go is arise storm. He has a sword and a magic helmet. And with my sword and magic yes. helmet. Very Marvin the Martian almost with the helmet. Like, yeah. (laughs) Sort of magic helmet. It's amazing. And then Bugs, in the story, Brunhilde dies in the end. And so it's Elmer is like heartbroken because Bugs is dead and he's sort of carrying the fake dead Bugs away and crying and... It's, you know, all a big joke on Elmer, but it's... Yeah. uh, When is it not? It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) What about you? Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I have a favorite episode. First of all, it's just been so long since I've watched the show. But, I mean, (laughs) and even then, like, I was really terrible about just sitting and watching shows. So even as a kid, I just kind of picked up in snippets. But I did always love watching, like, Bugs Bunny and Daffy being petty at each other and, like, totally trying to get the other one killed. (laughs) Killed. Over whatever bullshit they were fighting about. Like, they would get Elmer the Fudd involved and, like, straight be trying to murk each other. And I think that's the first time I realized darkness existed in cartoons. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think I went that far. But I did think the antics were funny. Yeah, uh, which leads me to my second favorite character, Daffy Duck. Mm. You cannot go wrong with him. I mean, A, B, C, D, I'm just saying. <laughs> so far, yeah. Um... But, I mean, yeah, duck season, wabbit season, duck season, wabbit season, those cartoons like that are great. Stuff, yeah. And, and those cartoons, too, are really dark because, like, there was one I remember where, um, you know, they were running away from Elmer, but then um, Bugs pulls a book out of his rabbit hole, you know, A Thousand and One Ways to Cook a Duck. And then Daffy <laughs> pulls like that. Daffy pulls a book out of Bugs' rabbit hole and a thousand and one ways, ways to cook a rabbit. And it's like, is Bugs a cannibal? I mean, and, and whatnot. But my absolute favorite uh, Daffy Duck cartoon, Duck Amok. That's the one where um, the, the, the premise is he thinks he's going to be in a Three Musketeers cartoon, but the animator keeps on fucking with him. And then, you know, like uh, he oh, goes yeah. out of scene and then the animator draws a farm and, you know, Daffy Ducky had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And then there's an igloo after that. E-I-E-I-O. Um, the weird plant outfit, too. Was That's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. That yeah. Okay. I remember that, too. Like, there are all the, the sketch lines and stuff. Duck bill. Yes. Like the weird things. And that, and it's like, well, you just put me back to normal. And that's, yeah, and that sign on his tail, for the longest time, I didn't get that it was an insult. Screw ball. It was a picture of a screw and a baseball. Screw ball. You know. But, <laughs> the things that go over your head as a child. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it took me to my 30s to find that out, but that's a different story. But do you have a favorite Daffy Duck moment? I mean, I think, it, I, again, I just don't remember a lot of the the stuff but it would have been anything with him and rabbit or him and uh, him and rabbit <laughs> solid tracy you Such so know what you're friend. talking about <laughs> the duck and the rabbit do stuff and i like it yeah. um, sorry it's like the voice that i do for my cat just to preference preface that like that's not to insult anybody it's totally my cat because yeah 
Or your cat. Oh, Phil. Is your cat a special too? <laughs> He's, he, I mean, if, if he had a voice, he'd be, hi, I'm Phil. Do you got food for me? <laughs> Oh my god, that's so close. So, yeah. did I ever do Bean's voice for you? Because I think that, like, I can't remember, but that's another kind of my stepkids love it. Let's talk like this. Bean's a simple cat. Bean's loved you. <laughs> Bean's just love, because that's all Bean does, is loving things. <laughs> Sometimes Bean's try to go outside and hit sunlight, passes out on pavement. <laughs> you know, just because she acts like it's her fainting couch when she goes outside. Like, <laughs> my cat doesn't run, out. she just, like, lays out and says, Adore me. But, uh, <laughs> don't let me leave. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Daffy moment? I think mine is Duck Muck as well. Like, that is just brilliantly, it's a brilliant cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bugs at the end, ain't I a stinker? There was actually a sequel cartoon to that that I was not aware of. Um, oh. It kind of switched the roles because Bugs was in the Daffy role. And then at the end, you found out Elmer was the animator. So he got a little bit of revenge. See, and I don't remember that one, but I definitely remember the, the mm. artist style with the big pencil and the eraser the whole mm. time with Daffy. Yep. So. My next one, Wiley Coyote. I hated the Roadrunner. Fuck that Roadrunner. I love the Roadrunner. I hate him. Meep. Yeah, just, I, I, just something. I love the fact that you know when he actually had a voice, it was Mel Blanc doing an erudite. I am the road. I am the, you know Wile E. Coyote. I hunt roadrunners and you know talk fancy like that. But my favorite moment was the roadrunner and the coyote ran into a big pipe. The pipe got smaller and smaller and smaller, and then you see the coyote exit the pipe, and he's really small. But then he sees the roadrunner up ahead. And he's like, I got him. And there's like big celebratory music. And then he's like so excited, hugs the Roadrunner's leg, and then realizes that the Roadrunner is regular size. You know, I mean, because he had, he had like the, you know, handkerchief and, you know, fork and knife ready. Because, you know, what else are you going to do when you get a Roadrunner, I guess? But, you know, I just wished he had got that Roadrunner. The bastard. So it's this longing that you still have in your heart that. That One day, eventually, Wiley Coyote is going to be able to eat the Red Runner. One day, hmm. maybe it'll be fan fiction on my part, and some, yeah, that might dark. be something <laughs> worth talking about in therapy. I don't know. There's a lot of things I can talk about in therapy, but <laughs> maybe you can like write and produce it like a musical and just really wrap up that story, give you the closure that you really long for it. Mm. Or maybe they fall in love and be immediately served with a cease and desist. <laughs> Or move to Portland and, you know, I don't know, grow like a gluten-free farm of something. I don't know. But do you have a favorite moment? I really don't. I'm so, like, I, I should have, like, done some research on Looney Tunes, I guess. I, I don't remember <laughs> if you said anything to me about it. No, I didn't. I, uh, okay, cool. I would have felt like a huge jerk if that were the case. It's like, yeah, I just, I watched it since I was a kid. So it's like, I've just got kind of the the passing memories of it in the background of my childhood uh, and that and, and that's the thing with the roadrunner and coyote too it's just there was never really a story it's just each and every time it's just you know yeah. what's gonna happen now you know meet me and he's uh, gonna think he's gonna get him he's gonna like run off of a cliff or blow himself up or you know something's going to fall on him it's like one of those things yeah yep uh-huh. Roadrunner's like, meet me, motherfucker. You still didn't get me. <laughs> Suck it. Um, next one. I love me some Foghorn Leghorn. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was actually a rip-off voice. It was a, a radio show in the 30s, I believe it was Fred Allen, um, had a um, character on there who was a Southern senator, um, and it was the voice of Foghorn Leghorn. It wasn't Mel Blanc, but it was, I say, boy, you don't listen to you know, type of type of deal and Mel Blanc just uh, ripped it off for that character but I always loved his interactions with Henry Hawk mm-hmm. you know the chicken hawk you know. oh yeah the chicken hawk yeah that spunky dude <laughs> the chihuahua of birds <laughs> little angry fuckers yeah but <laughs> any memories well I like the one where he you know he's always looking for a, a woman who's like a good cook and take care of him that sort of thing and he meets a real a nice... southern guy doing that? I know, right? Yeah. He meets a really nice lady who has a son, right? So he sort of becomes this father figure to this sort of egg-headed um, chick. Uh, and that's... I don't know if that happened multiple times. I'm, I'm giggling at egg-headed and chickens, so don't oh, mind right. me over here. Yeah, like, um, kind of funny <laughs> joke. <laughs> Sorry. You know, sort of super geeky. Yeah. Like super geeky chicken. Oh, do the, you know what I'm talking about? I, I know who you're talking about, and didn't she have that weird laugh? It was June Foray who did the voice, and she was a master. I mean, she did um, uh, Rocket J. Squirrel, um, and did, uh, I believe her name was Esmeralda the Witch, but um, yeah, she was, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had a weird laugh like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, Foghorn was in love with her, and she had this son that he had to hang out with. And yeah, talk and, the, to. and the son was a dick. Well, no, the sun was just not interested. You know, Foghorn is like a man, it's like a cock's cock kind of chicken. Cock. And. I don't know, sorry. And the sun was like totally not into, not into guy stuff and was always reading and, you know, doing non-male dominated things. So a typical southern father figure type. Uh-huh. Yeah, we need to go hunting, boy. Right, exactly. <laughs> son, you're strange, son. What you reading for? Um, reminds me of a bit, that, that's from a Bill Hicks bit where he talked about being in a southern diner and a waitress come up. What you reading for? And you know he felt like you know he showed up uh, dressed up as he felt like he dressed up as Boy George to a Klan rally. Mm. That's how everybody felt was looking at him. But anyway, yeah, I'm from the south. I felt that way every day. And she's from the south. Also from the south. Oh, nice. Howdy. So, Howdy. Surrounded by southern bells. Um. Bless your heart. <laughs> it's okay. Everybody knows what that means now. It's not a secret anymore. Yeah. It's the not secret, so secret got out. Yeah. But okay. my last one. Last one. Elmer. I love Elmer Fudd. Elmer Arthur Fudd. Q. Bryan. You know, hunting the wabbit. <laughs> He's amazing. Simple as that. <laughs> Not much more to add. What a great, what a great uh, end end of the segment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean you don't like uh, Pepe Le Pew? Pepe Le Pew, the oh, first date rapist. <laughs> yeah. Pepe is probably my favorite. I don't think he actually did anything as bad as that. But yeah, he really he came on strong. I mean, well, he was a to mi- that poor cat that would just somehow always get paint on her, like. Well, but there turnabout is fair play, and so when he gets covered in blue paint, she she harasses him back because she she doesn't know that 
he is a skunk and she thinks he's a cat. So that kind of made it better for me. But still earlier in that cartoon, it was funny. (laughs) It was when she locked herself in that soundproof booth and he's like, you come out here right now. And she was like, no. And then you stink. And he goes, me? (laughs) You know, And then out of nowhere, he just pulls out a gun, walks out of view, shoots a gun. And she's doesn't want his advances but she doesn't want him to kill himself so she's concerned runs out and then right into his arms and he goes, lucky for you i missed you know <laughs> oh my god i do not remember that but how horrible like we watch this as children yes <laughs> this is forming some of our first ideas of what relationships are <laughs> oh so much is explained uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sexual harassment is okay as long as it's equal and um <laughs> If somebody tries to kill themselves, it's a totally valid reason to continue the relationship. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's a great way to get women? Well, <laughs> this you know. is how you keep her. <laughs> <laughs> you buy a gun and hope your aim wrong. Um. <laughs> yeah, watching those cartoons now, it's like uh, those are not for children. It doesn't feel like they're for children. They never were. I mean, th- they were never meant for children. It's just television being what it is, and also comedy over time can change. I mean, it, you know, what was meant for adults in one era is not meant for adults in another, or even stuff like, I'm thinking about the Muppet Show. Yeah. Muppet yeah. Show, I mean, I think from our era, we enjoy the show, but you don't hear too many younger kids today necessarily having that same type of love, because maybe what the Muppets have to offer, in my opinion, is doesn't appeal to modern audiences, you know. Is what it is. But. A lot of entertainment back then was still written to be entertaining for adults. Mm-hmm. So they really assumed a lot of that stuff went over kids' heads and that they were just watching a cartoon and like these characters and la 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 because they're only looking at the colors and you know the silly voices. And now that they're actually realizing, like psychologically speaking, there's a lot more that kids pick up on than mm-hmm. just watching two cartoon characters interact, that they actually put together these relationships and things. Turns out kids are more complex than they thought like in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like uh, I, I did read recently about, um, you know, South Park and how it deals with kids. How, you know, people have grown up showing their kids South Park, not realizing that kids at that age aren't necessarily picking up on the satire of it and they end up relating more to uh, Cartman types uh, than than they should be realizing that Cartman is not one you should be relating to. But anyway, on that note, you were going to talk about your professional career here. Yeah, I'm kind of been making a lot of changes of, well, just a lot of changes in my life in general over like the last few years. Um, but more recently I'm kind of redirecting and doing a lot of focus inward because I've had a lot of ideas of like creative things I want to do and ways I want to be able to like, um, really do a lot of different things. It didn't click until recently that I kind of already had a way of doing that. Uh, so, you know, earlier I had mentioned kind of getting into improv and everything. And when I did move to Portland, I wound up doing murder mystery theater for a while. And it was actually a uh, really interesting experience. And um, that wound up me being cast in a haunted house. And um, from there, I really, between the murder mystery and then working on the haunt work, and even though that was just seasonal and brief, but, you know, that all started around the same time, um, I got really into, I really enjoy slipping into a character. Um, And that probably goes back, like, well into either my childhood. I used to, like, you know, you pretend to be people sometimes, right? No. 
introduce people to Moxie. Oh, Moxie. Oh, God, that's right, because you saw those shows. Yeah. Oh, my God, the funniest thing happened when he came to one of my shows. Somebody thought he was in on it and <laughs> took... Do you remember this guy? Yeah. Oh, he was mortified because, like, you're, you're a very tall man. So, so Moxie Hot, she's in the 20s, and um, she is... Uh, this. I should probably say this is a murder mystery show through Eddie Mae Murder Mysteries, because I don't want anybody to think I'm, like, stealing this as a character. But I, I played Moxie Hart from that. But, uh... You know, she was... And I'm not going to do the voice the whole time. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, I know. Like, I actually had a guy offer to give me, like, a piggyback ride in downtown as long as I just kept talking shit to him in, in the Moxie Hot voice because I was just giving him shit the whole night. This motherfucker thought he had it figured out. We don't cuss at the show, by the way, so wouldn't have said that live. But uh, he was, like, being sassy about some of the clues. And then, like, when I knew he turned in his ballot and I knew he was way fucking wrong, I was like, yeah, that's a shame about mentioning, like, this clue that... You know, I don't want to give in case she still does the show, but like that's such a shame about this accessory that I totally obviously didn't lose now that you're looking at me. And he just like sunk and then after that. But anyway. I think I remember that because it was, I think, the gloves you talked yeah, about. Yeah, it like, was like, because to totally be fair, like, one of the clues was the gloves. But yeah, yeah, like there was something about the gloves that he had mentioned, but it doesn't change around. So I don't want to give away like any of her endings if she still does it. And, um, and you know, she does. <laughs> she probably still does. <laughs> but uh, she, um, wasn't, she wasn't organized. <laughs> well, I mean, I know there was a 50 show and I don't know which one they're doing now, but mm. I don't mm. want to be like talking. But anyway, I, <laughs> I, I did leave. We parted ways. Yes, we did. But um, <laughs> it was actually really funny because I actually got to manage a few like solid like Trump jokes because it's Portland and you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I had a lot of fun doing that. And that really got me into really nerding out about being a character and like being able to build these costumes and these outfits because I'd actually had like an outfit that was stolen out of a van. Um, yeah, like, I broke into one of my uh, co-stars vans and... Stole my my whole suitcase, my roller, my makeup, everything was gone. So I wound up oh, having yeah. to rebuild that character again, and it was like so much fun that uh, you know when I got into the haunted house work, uh, and they realized like I'm really good at doing gore effect, um, just kind of picked up on it because uh, it was kind of I was thrown into haunt like around the same time as I had started with Eddie May over like a casting uh, show issue like debacle misunderstanding whatever you want to call it. And um, you know, I wound up doing gore effect and got moved up to the front room. And then the second year, I actually got to design my own costume for Fearlandia. And I was like this really creepy ringmaster. And I worked and practiced this effect like on the side of my face, like where it just looked like it was all missing. And um, like wore an eye patch and I got to welcome people into the haunt. Like it was a lot of fun. And then... Uh, Didn't you say you used that on Tinder? I did use... Okay, so the one that I used <laughs> on Tinder. So the first year I rolled up, um, like the first few nights I was there and early on in haunt, stuff um you're kind of figuring out like what makeup it works and what doesn't and so like some of like the lesser you know cast sometimes might not get their makeup done as much on like the opening friday night where we don't have as much people there yet Mm -hmm. but that's where we get to fine-tune things and see what works in rooms and um so like the first few nights it was just kind of like i was peeled out there's like splash blood all over me and i was wearing these scrubs and i remember going up to who's the casting director at the time and i was like hey like i'm kind of like crafty can i try something if you guys hate it like, I, I won't do it again. And so what it basically looked like was very Hellraiser-ish, where it looked like I had a frame of skin, like, around my face, and, like, the rest of it was just blood and mess and missing. Yeah, she's... <laughs> that cringe is appropriate, uh, because I nailed it. And uh, so uh, I got... That's when they put me in the nun costume, and in the front room, so you see, like, this gored-out face in a nun costume with this bloody ruler, and in blood behind me it says, You're next, and that was legit one of my Tinder profile photos. Because I figure... <laughs> 
<laughs> if you could handle that sense of humor, you could handle dating me. Mm-hmm. Or at least at the very least being my friend. Like, whatever. I, I didn't use that one for, like, just getting laid. I know there's different people that use it for different <laughs> shit. And that was not my thing. Um, but, anywho. Uh, so, that's how I kind of got into you know, doing costuming, and I was, you know, kind of, even remember when we first met and started hanging out, like, going to Comic-Con, like, I thought the costumes were cool, but I wasn't quite mm-hmm. to the dressing up level, and now it's like, I dress up for Comic-Con, and, you know, I did a family dress up, where we all did Gravity Falls, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you both know Gravity Falls, no, oh, never seen show. it, watch it, two tight seasons, it's Disney, or it is on Disney, um, interesting, just side note, is Louis C.K. actually did a voice for the last, the final three episodes, but after everything happened, they voiced back over him. Ooh, so just really? interesting side note. Yeah, I actually, um, I'm personally glad that I have originals that aren't because mm. I just, I like the original of a show. Like it's not to support or not support anything. I like the original of a show because when somebody does work, I don't know how to quite feel about taking their name off of it. But um, either way, uh, really awesome show. So we did that. Um, and that's what kind of, I took a, break off of other than just doing Haunted House in that season. I haven't been doing as much costume making lately. And uh, the only other thing I did was a wedding, which that's actually where (laughs) the name of the public page, which I know you've seen, uh, Mm -hmm. The Reverend Tracy, is what I've just recently opened back up. Um, I realized I had a lot of ideas for creative outlets for myself, but I couldn't find a way to really quite organize them until recently. And then I realized I can kind of do a lot of the things I want to do. I just needed a way to kind of section that away from my personal life because I work on a lot of with myself personally that I wanted to keep separate from my creative endeavors. And so now under uh, the Reverend Tracy, which I was hired to do a wedding for a friend that I work with. She goes, you do characters, right? Because everything I've just kind of slipped and fell into at this point. Now I'm actually trying to actively try to do gig work. And um, I guess that's what's making me dork out about it recently is I'm looking into it more and trying to get more into this passion that I've had that I kind of felt I couldn't do as much, but realizing that I can um just by not necessarily working a full-time job I do temporary jobs on the side right now and I'm getting started with this page but uh the Reverend Tracy so sorry the wedding I got hired for um is uh she wanted to bring her father with her in a sense her father had passed away the prior year and one of their favorite movies in her childhood was The Princess Bride never saw it Huh? Never. Seen oh, it. I know. We've we've had this conversation. Have you yeah, seen we've Princess had the Bride? Of course, well. of course, like because you're a rational normal, person. rational human being. Yeah. Whereas you didn't have Andre make you cry. I don't care. That movie made me cry because when it was fucking 11, touching. You were eleven years old I, and crying because Andre the Giant beat. He cheated. Oh my god. The anyway, whole thing is scripted. So the movie that really this cheat. dude refuses to watch that is like probably got its own cult following that's now ready to stake you out. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how dare Bring you? it on! Talk in. <laughs> I don't think that would. means what you think it means. <laughs> um, see? like, And you don't know. You have you no idea. It. It's inconceivable to you even, some might say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she wanted the the wedding scene from the princess bride. Of course she did. And so it was really great. I actually had a really good friend. She, you know, doesn't want to be looked up, looked up, but, uh, I can give her credit for the costume, but she, uh, helped me with it. And that was amazing. It gorgeous. It, it turned out really great. And, um, I couldn't ask for anything better to come from just a friend who just wanted to help. Like she legit only, only cared about like having something to do and help me out. And no, I didn't know the backstory when I saw that picture. I thought it, you were 
just imitating a pope or something? No, I'm I'm an ordained minister because I got ordained to do the wedding. Like one of those online ordained deals? Mm-hmm. Like getordained.org, legit. I did yeah. it in a day. I did it like, I think like five days before the wedding. Universal Life Church? Yep, it's one of those. Yeah. I think and so I've done when, that too. So. Yeah, we're all three ministers Oh, nice. Church. Hey-o. Hey-o. Um, but yeah, ten. like, so you got those emails too. And I got this email that just tickled the shit out of me one day. It's like, happy nine-month anniversary, Reverend <laughs> Tracy. And I went, I will make people call me this. <laughs> And so it started with asking my friends, like, do you think this is a stupid name or do you think it actually, and like most of them were like, okay, to be real, some of them were like, that's kind of dumb. But (laughs) others were like, no, that's actually kind of funny. Like that, that works for you. I think you could make that work. And so I finally just started doing it. And uh, so I posted actually recently all of the photos from that wedding. Mm -hmm. And then um, I also actually just today is, you know, we're filming on a Thursday. I don't know if that matters to your audience, but Throwback Thursday, I just did uh, from Haunters, uh, the... West Coast Haunters Convention, mm-hmm. the charity ball that I did, which I did some really uh, dramatic gore effect that actually V. Neal uh, complimented me on, if either of you. She did face-off. She did the iconic looks like um, uh, Robin Williams, um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm. Oh, wow. And uh, Beetlejuice. Oh, wow. The, the Beetle, you know the Beetlejuice look. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she did face-off for a while, too. So she was at last year's uh, Haunters Convention. Yeah, where they do like the makeup, they do the effects, and then it's a competition. Got it. Uh, I personally haven't oh, seen it. Oh, the reality I show, it. not yes. the movie. I yeah, thought you meant no, the, no, no, not yeah. the movie. The uh, the reality show face off where they compete over okay. uh, SFX and FX makeup. Cool. So uh, that was really cool to get to meet her, and uh, she was one of the judges for the costume contest. And I had no fucking clue when I walked in there. It's actually really funny because like the haunted house stuff, and I could totally just do a whole side thing on haunted house if you want to, like for Halloween time. But, um, like, because I could go on about that experience forever in and of itself. But, uh, so the guys, like, we're all basically family. Like, uh, I, I am not, like, officially, like, I don't own any part of Fearlandia or anything. They hire me. Right. You know, to pick casting direction. And then we, we kind of bring ideas together. But they're both really awesome dudes. And I'll probably work for them for the rest of my life if they want me to. Um, just really good guys. And one of the owners, uh, he was at the charity ball. And he was like, saw my makeup and I'd like bought this costume with like a corset and this like, it was very, um, oh, saloon girlish, but <laughs> steampunky. Cause they're like, you know, they don't have corsets like that back then. So it was kind of a mix of stuff. And then I just did this gored out face with like the, like the Joker smile, but like very exaggerated. And then, um, I had like missing parts around my eyes, like, but you can all see that, uh, it's like at the Reverend Tracy on Facebook, if anybody's interested in that, in FX makeup out there. Um, so it was really fun to do. And he was like, you should go like do the costume contest. Go do the costume contest. Go do it. Cause, <laughs> and anybody who works for Fairlandia knows which owner I'm talking about right now. So, uh, cause there's only one that talks like that. Um, <laughs> but he's like, go do it, go do it. And so he sends me off and I guess apparently as soon as I walked away from the table, one of the other, uh, people hanging out in the Fairlandia group is like, do you think she knows V. Neal's one of the uh, judges? <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> no. <laughs> But that probably gave you a much better heads up. You went in there without the anxiety of thinking, oh, no, I got to impress this person here. So. Well, and it was my first time ever doing a contest. Like that. And I didn't like win or anything, by the way, because I like so wasn't prepared for that. But you I learned a lot. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, I did. I did get a, like a hell of a compliment uh, from V. Neal in a way. But it was really kind of funny because like I walked in and she goes, so how did you make your costume? And I was like. Oh, I bought it. And you could, like, see her interest, like, lost. It was uh, super funny. Uh, like, I, I'm not, not, like, saying that she, that was bad or mean of her at all. Like, I totally understand. 
because then she was asking who did my makeup and I said I did it myself she you know seemed to be impressed by that and I actually I follow another effects makeup obviously person like that's where you get kind of learning stuff mm -hmm. and she had done an interview with V Neal and I guess V Neal finds it like very I want to say I, I forget how she said it but she seemed very impressed with the idea of being able to do your own effects on your own face like to her she doesn't understand how you can do your own mm. and like yeah so I, I not understand but she finds it impressive like nice. I don't want to make it sound like she's dense or anything but um, but yeah, so I started talking about it and then, uh, I also, because I work for a haunt, I try to play with, um, stuff that's not as, you know, likely to be allergic to because you don't know what your actors are coming in on. And, uh, so she asked, and I just mentioned like, yeah, you know, I try to work with like not latex and stuff like that. She goes, well, how did you do the buildup for like, cause you know, there's skin coming up. And I was like, oh, I used puff paint and cotton balls and her jaw actually dropped and she went, excuse me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, puff paint, cotton balls, air dry, and it'll dry, and then you can do your makeup over it. She goes, I got to get me some puffy paint. <laughs> like, I will never forget, uh, or at least I hope I never forget. This was just a year ago, so maybe I shouldn't. Well, at least, you know, recorded now, maybe I won't forget. But yeah. that was pretty impactful okay. as far as, like, maybe I should do more with this because if I've barely dabbled with it. And you're getting, you know, compliments like that. Yeah. yeah, like just starting off and not not tinkering with it much. So, um, but kind of the Reverend Tracy, I guess, uh, because I end up doing kind of little offshoot characters. You know, I did the wedding, and it's like, you know, there's actually a little bit of like maybe people would be interested in like a gourd up person to do their wedding because some people definitely would, right? Yeah, because we had a proposal. All into horror, like mm -hmm. that's their to yeah. their thing that they want to spend their time. We had a proposal sure. at our haunted house. Oh, Not yeah. this last year, but year before last. Then we joked about, like, you know, you can have the wedding there, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's a little bit of a market for that. And um, I don't mind also doing other weddings and stuff. And if people want a silly character, or if they want a scary character, or there's even other ways I can see to branch that out. Um, I like she does children's them. parties? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that is something I got approached because I work with Portland Santa. Um, I'm a Santa's helper, which means I do some photography, and a part of that is kind of dressing the part and being this bubbly character. Um, I have this naughty and nice hat that I wear, and so the inside <laughs> joke um, with me and the lady that runs it is that I'm Tracy the Naughty Elf. And it's it's not like dirty, like pervy naughty, it's just, you know, kids naughty, nice naughty. Well, that one and picture I'm, you had of you, what was it, you on Santa's lap, and he looked... Happy. Oh, stop. No. <laughs> You're talking about one of the iconic Santas. Like, no joke. I have learned mothers <laughs> take that shit seriously. If you saw Santa Phil, you saw Santa Phil the rest of your life, kid. Like, there are some that follow it because they want Santa to look the same in all the photos. Wow. So, I, yeah, like, right? Like, I never thought about that until I worked there. Like, there's a lot to that industry. And I that's another person I love working with. Mm. Um, uh, Delaney, she runs the Portland Santa photo group. And uh, pretty great people. I was, I was thrilled to get to go back this year. I get the excuse to order all these dumb dresses and, <laughs> and then get excited because they have pockets. I'm like, oh my God, look, these have pockets. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Reverend Tracy kind of still growing that. I've got an Instagram, which is just Reverend Tracy, and then on Facebook, which, you know, I'd like to maybe take a selfie with you guys and tag if that's okay. With you. We can Absolutely. definitely do that. Yeah. Getting, I'm new to this self-marketing shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not exactly new, but I'm not exactly good at it either, but hey. <laughs> yeah. And then there's actually, I don't know, getting involved in haunt was a lot of it too because there's classes, like these haunters conventions, they have mm. acting classes and self-makeup like makeup classes and stuff. Like even if you're not into that industry, 
it's not expensive and it's way fun to go. Like even if you go to the trade floor because you get to see these people that are promoing like their latex and their molds mm-hmm. um, for monsters and stuff and they will actually have like full body airbrushes going on. Like just demos out on the trade floor. Jeez. Um, really cool stuff that you can see there. So random plug for the West Coast Haunters convention in May, I guess. Ooh. Worth it if, you, if you're interested in any of that stuff. Hey. Sounds fun. All right. Easy to geek out over, or nerd out over, I should say. Yep. Now, being the 100th episode, I thought I would try to do something a little bit, little fun. A little fun. <laughs> you do fun things? Stop. <laughs> she knows too much. Um, anyway, <laughs> I thought... You invited me here, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I brought it on myself. <laughs> no. Um, what I thought is have a little fun. A little question and answer game. Play a little Have You Ever. Oh, God. Yeah. Asks, I'll ask some questions here. Now, when I ask a question, I am very much going to answer myself. So I'm not going to, you know, put anybody on the spot here if I ask a question that may be a little salty or whatever. But I thought it would be fun and entertaining to go through a few on the list. Not all of them, because there are a number of them, as you can see here. Yes. But let's play. You ready? Sure. Let's play a game. Oh. <laughs> that always ends well. <laughs> Would you like to play yeah. a game? It got Save me married and look at happen at that. Um, <laughs> anyway. All right. Have you ever held or petted a wild animal? I'll answer that one first. I guess we, okay. we didn't come up with rules on who goes first. I'm just going to feel rude if I try to go first. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Uh, actually, um uh, I don't even know if you remember or if we ever even talked about this. I know it's been a while since we've spoken. I was raised out in the country, and um, I was notorious for bringing home critters. I'm kind of an animal whisperer. Like, they've always been... She a southern critter. A critter. <laughs> it's, well, you don't have to tell her. Yeah. Come on. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe maybe to the podcast listeners that we're also kind of talking to. You're the freak, Tim. Go yeah, on. Yeah, God, you're the freak in the room, man. But, um, no, but I was, I was that kind of country-raising, you know, critters. Uh, so yeah, many, many, many times. Nice. My mom could probably tell you more stories than I could. What about you? I was having a hard time thinking of a specific example, but I mean, it's similar to Tracy and I, uh, remember, uh, toads. Like I was very into <laughs> catching toads and wanting to like take them in the house to spend the night with me. So. Okay. So definitely have held them. Well, I grew up in the Midwest in the city, so we didn't have critters. Um, well, we did have mice on occasion, but I hate Rats, them. I'm sure you had. No rats, but just mice, and I fucking hate mice. They're the worst evil creatures in the world. Anyway, um, but... Uh, Apparently we've struck a tone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, repressed <laughs> memories. You know, I hate them. I mean, just scattering everywhere, bringing disease. and Mice and roadrunners. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. Yeah, but... For me, uh, th- there's a picture of me as like one or two, and I'm on my dad's lap, and he, it's, it was a professional taken photo um, because he had a baby tiger in his hands, and I was petting the baby tiger. Oh, oh fucking God. God. That is like my dream. I'm like, I, I would love to go into like a zoo and like just let all of, I don't care if they like get a, a, a sense of blood and kill me. That would be like the best way to go out. Just like all of the baby, like, I'm, cubs. I'm in the middle. <laughs> I was like, as long as they naturally go for the throat, at least it'll be quick. But um, <laughs> just like surround me with all of the baby cute fuzziness, no matter how deadly they are. Cause they're, they're cats. Nice. But, uh, 
Sorry. I'm just, I'm jealous. What did I say? Hey, I got a tiger. Oh, God, that's that so funny. I'm, I'm totally like, that baby tiger was exploited. You shouldn't even have that photo. And I'm like, totally an asshole yeah. over here. And it's like, oh my God, cover me in all of the blood babies. It was the 70s. It was acceptable at that time. That and the General Lee and the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Plus, you can say that you'd like something to happen. It's when you take the motions to do it that becomes a, a right. Actual right. Problem. I mean, that was clearly yeah. that's clearly a fantasy, right? <laughs> like, oh my god. Because I'd be just as happy out in the wild as like you know what I mean. It's like just throw me into a cub's den. That can't end badly. You know? <laughs> I there was this documentary I saw on Netflix about this guy who um, the lion lived, guy. The lion guy. Yeah, he hung out in. Uh, I guess he camped out in an area where lions were, and then they would have like little uh, clips of him, like seeing lions like on a hill, and then they would try and approach him, and you know, be lions. And he was just like, "No, stay away!" And then they started hissing and run away and stuff. And he tried to give the impression that it was easy; you just had to be able to talk their language. When you know, I'm sure they probably behind the camera had, you know, poachers with guns ready to take him out if they did try to attack that guy. But that's a different story. Yeah. God. <laughs> Wow. That's a bummer. On that note. I went from talking about being surrounded in fuzzy adorableness to... <laughs> murdering, you know, murdering. majestic lions, yeah. Let's murdering move... lions for doing what lions do, basically. For human entertainment. Yeah. Nice, nice one. Pretty, yeah. Good job, man. A downer. Get out. <laughs> All right. Have you ever been on the radio or on television? I have, if community television counts. No, I've been on real, like, network news shows as well yeah like america's most wanted or no like <laughs> just like the morning show the local morning news show talking about yeah. something i was doing but i did a cooking show on community television nice and people people see you on tv and they don't necessarily remember how they've seen you on tv they just are like oh i've seen you on tv and so for a while after I did this community television show, because there were so few shows, they showed it all the time, and so lots and lots of people saw it. And so I, it was like I was a local celebrity. And, but people couldn't quite place where they knew me from. They were just you, knew they saw me on TV. Were you walking around town like Joan Crawford with sunglasses and cigarette and a cigarette I, holder? I felt and... like I should be. <laughs> you know, I've got one of those if you ever want to borrow it. It's from my moxie days. Oh, nice. I actually do. It's up in my closet. <laughs> I mean, it could be broken in half, knowing how well I took care of that shit. But, uh, you know, artist life. Well, I know the answer for you, but tell the you folks do? at home. But I, I don't think... Been... Oh, I guess, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right. How do I space on that one? <laughs> I was about to say Acting no. Acting like I'm creepy you or had... something? No, <laughs> no. I just me? It's so funny because it's like I don't consider um, being... Uh, on TV for Fearless. That's like really funny. But yeah, so I, I was on the cable um, on the news mm-hmm. for Fearlandia because we get morning spot and like kind of an evening spot with the local news when we're going on. And uh, <laughs> I really wish I want somebody to find the clips of it again so that I can like take the clip of me creeping up behind uh, what's Core. Um, I, I, I forget his here. name. I think his name's Core. He's from one of the, he's one of the main like, guys from <laughs> the local. But it was really funny because what the story of it name. is is uh, that I was running, like, I always make sure my actors get in makeup before anybody touches me, like, you know, obviously. So I'm getting them, getting them, getting them, and they started rolling early. I was running a little behind, but I did get my makeup on, like, just ghouled out because I wasn't supposed to be anything special. Just, you know, helping it run enough because it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and he's going to go through or whatever. 
And uh, so I was running late, so I ran. They were already filming, and I went behind the entire queue line. And, like, you don't see me because I'm, like, crouched down and running like this. But I'm going back and forth so that I can get behind core. And he goes, I don't know what kind of people are up this this time of the morning. And just then you see my creeper ass head, like, come up over his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what it was that he had just said. Like, so it was accidentally, like, really awesome timing. I think you saw, like, some of those videos. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. you know the thing I'm talking about then. Yeah. And then uh, there was also uh, one of the scenes that I was super proud of with uh, coming out. We have a lot of really awesome laser effect because Tim is, like, the electrician. and like uh, he, Not he's me. Amazing. No, no, not you, Tim. Different Tim. Uh, There's a different Tim. I'm not going to pretend to say his last name, which <laughs> if he ever listens to this I hope he laughs at that. But no, he does an amazing job like with all that. And he does really cool laser effects. And there was like a swamp area where there's like a green laser that mm. kind of cuts you in half. Mm. And uh, so as an actor, you can hide under there. And because of the fog, people can't see you. So you can like come up out of this laser. And so when core, like, and these people like come around the corner, sucks. they got the light. So you have to be kind of careful. And, uh, you know, there's these three heads you see like pop up and then, so I had kind of coordinated with the girls because the guys were like, yeah, sure, you can plan what happens in this room when they come in, whatever. And uh, so I was like, okay. And then the last minute, they was like, oh, my gosh, when we duck down and run off, just giggle. <laughs> <laughs> so you just see, like, these three heads come up, and then, like, I, I snapped my fingers, and that was the clue, the key to, like, come down. and <laughs> Like, as we ran around the corner, and it's like, Cora's like, that was so unnerving. <laughs> All right, for me, I have been on television before a few times. Um, <laughs> one, our neighbors across the street had their house burned down. And, um, I mean, they were okay, so this is why I felt comfortable doing that. But once the news camera showed up, I thought of this old Eddie Murphy comedy album um, where he talked about, you know, anytime the news ca- news cameras show up, there's always that one person is like, Oh, my God, I seen it. I seen the whole thing. And... I ended up becoming that guy. Um, and they had my picture, you know, they even spelled my name correctly. And I'm sitting on the news like, yeah, um, there's that. Um, there's the, my first uh, time I went to a pro wrestling show that was aired on television was in May of 2000 for WCW Monday Nitro. Um, I had the plan of showing up with a sign that said, my boss can suck my balls. And at the opening, the first match of the show is a match between Booker T and Ernest the Cat Miller in a um, uh, martial arts weapons match. It was a horrible time in that company. But you can see me, uh, I, you can see me hold up that sign, but they blurred it out. <laughs> you know, so there was that. Um, the plan was spoiled. Pretty much, yeah. I, I, it was a big. I, I planned on it. I bought markers. I bought a poster. Drew it out. You know, no sparkles. Maybe if I had sparkles, it would have been on the air. But uh, there was that. And then, as a teenager, I quote unquote worked for Planned Parenthood. Um, they have. Uh, the reason I say it like that is this: they have a program for um, high schoolers that they will essentially put you on the payroll, but your job is to you know learn important stuff, you know the, the important stuff that you know you, you would teach a Planned Parenthood, you know about like what they do. Um, they actually had a video from the '70s of a woman at a gynecologist, and you know it was weird because they had the I don't know this particular name, so the Speculum. okay, sure that. Shoved in there, opened up, and she it was, was this um, movement that gave it away. The cranker opened. There we yeah. go. Yeah, and I, I just remember like she was like sitting up and trying to look. 
I, I just then saw you cough from and it like, shoots across the from room. From like, like our bodies ourselves or whatever, the look at your own cervix. Like everybody needs to look at their own cervix. Something like oh that. I God. mean, it's like our ping pong balls going to pop out. I've never been more thankful to be raised in Texas sex ed. I've never seen this. <laughs> I've also never seen my own cervix. There's a fun fact for you. Really? There we go. Um, nobody's ever made me look at it and <laughs> I didn't want to. It. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. It's okay. I hire it's... professionals to do it like a car engine change oil thing. Yeah, like, no, I just yes, have them do it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Every three to and six like years to, or whatever. I like to end up with the professional who's very, very kind about the whole situation. There aren't that many, but Oh my gosh, no, no like I got the weirdest great. compliment. Like you wanna talk about an awkward time to get a compliment? It's with your legs and stirrups and a woman like, you know, basically in your shit. She's just like, You have the most beautiful birth canal and I'm like, Why would you say that? Like <laughs> well, why? I have this similar so I actually really so so uh, let's talk was, about vaginas. Let's was, do this. <laughs> when I was going to Lewis and Clark you started um, it. They have a health clinic there mm-hmm. and they had an amazing nurse practitioner and I got like all of my primary um health care there when I was going to school and she would always say like, Oh, your cervix looks so beautiful or like something, she was always like, "Oh, that looks so beautiful," and I loved it because who who sees your cervix to comment on yeah. it, right? You know, and strangers. Just, I don't know. Apparently, gynecologists because they know they've seen some shit. Apparently, man, like <laughs> yeah, there are some women out there. They're obviously not textbook. I'm just saying they're qualified to say something. Oh, God. Why does this look like Montana? <laughs> There was one, like, really awesome miscommunication when I was a kid, like, when I was younger, right? Because, you know, you start, my mom had, like, cervical cancer, so I started getting my screenings early, but, like, early in college and stuff, and I walk in, you know, you do the piss test first, because they're going to check to make sure you're not knocked up, Mm -hmm. and this was college, let's be real. And uh, so she walks into the room, and I know this is after the pee test, that I'm like, yeah, they're checking to make sure I'm not pregnant. And she goes, well, you're just glowing, and I, like, freak out, because I think she's just told me that I'm pregnant. And start to hyperventilate in her office. So it's like, no, 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 like you're not pregnant. Just like, I just was trying to be nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I also hyperventilate often when people are nice to me for no reason. So far from the course, would have happened either way, maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love when this happens on the show. What, digressing? Yeah, that's that's why I love it. You um, know how conversations go with memes. Like, there's no secure pattern. You've talked to me enough. So. Yeah. All right. Have you ever been out in the rain and really enjoyed it? Sure, all the time. That is actually something I miss. I don't know what part of the South you're from. Tennessee. Tennessee. So, I don't know if you got this, but I know in thunderstorms mm-hmm. mm-hmm. those warm thunderstorms that would come through and it, like you could really smell like that petrichor smell because it was warm mm-hmm. and then you could also just walk in it and you're not like freezing like i used to love walking in the rain and then i also got to like have that sometimes in arizona like not many of them most of the arizona like stuff that came through was just frigid cold when it would rain like the rain would be cold but every now and then you get that warm rain i was that nutty girl that would still go walk in the rain Singing. Um, not singing, just walking. I was a lot of lip syncing back then. That was before I had to teach myself how to sing. <laughs> okay. uh, me, yeah, I remember um, it actually came up in my Facebook memories because I wrote about it. Ooh. Um, there was a night, I believe in 2008, October 2008, I was walking home. It was a light rain in Sacramento, but I was walking home listening to uh, Jungle Land from Bruce Springsteen. 
and near the end of that song, uh, Clarence Clemens does one of the best sax solos I've ever heard uh, in a song, and just that, with the rain, with it being dark, was just like a very memorable night. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, have have you... I told you lately about my vagina? Can we start talking about it again? No. Do you give it no. a name? or? <laughs> I'm not you. T- no, <laughs> that didn't go over well. <laughs> yeah, um, then you gotta feel compelled to have a conversation with it, and like once it has a name, <laughs> then it's suddenly not just an it anymore; it's a person, personality. Then, Don't get me into feeding it. Imagine that ventriloquist <laughs> act right there. You know, hi, how you doing? Hi, hi. You know, <laughs> if there was a hell, I'd be going there. Um, all right. Oh, that wasn't. Just a little talk about vagina amongst friends. Yeah. Well, I did in a previous episode, I talked about the book, The Vagina Bible. A very good book. Um, written by a female gynecologist, Dr. Jen Gunter. Um, I compared it to a video game manual for women that guys should read. I mean that in the best possible way. I just feel like the ending's already going to be spoiled for me, so... But but still, I mean, you're you know, I'm assuming you're both the types that would actually take the time to learn about that. There are some women that don't, you know. So, oh yeah, true. You know. I've yeah. Well, I mean, there's people that don't learn about it either way too, because there's also men that don't learn about their anatomy. Our culture is very shut down to talking about it. Like, uh, there's also a movement among like with raising kids. Like, we need to start using the term penis and vagina and stop teaching that they're bad. Mm-hmm. Because that way, when a child says something to an adult at one of the many facilities where they could possibly get help, um, you oh, know, like in daycare and mentioned. stuff. That example you mentioned. Yeah, like I posted about that where it was about like the little girl had said, my uncle licked my cookie. And the teacher is like, oh, well, maybe you just need a new cookie. And then there was like, I've got a rash on my cookie. And then the teacher put together that they weren't talking about a cookie. They were mm-hmm. talking about their vagina. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually like kind of a movement right now. Of, like we need to stop tabooing these words and let kids learn them as the medically defined terms they are so that they are using words correctly and there's less miscommunication. See, we almost tiptoed on the book. but uh, Well, I was going to bring up the book again because she... That's fine. She, hey, she, it's your show. If there's enough time to talk about it, you read it. <laughs> all the time in the world. Um, she mentioned um, in an experience she had where a husband and wife were in there and the husband asked her, where's my wife's clitoris? And, you know, on the one hand, she thought, good he's asking questions that is healthy on the other hand she thought they've also been married for 10 years why is he asking now you know you would think that'd be something you'd want to ask the first time you see it not 10 years later you know type of deal and and to your point yeah it it, it, there is a lot of unnecessary stigma because of the uh country we live in you know we have to be super religious over every single thing and it yeah just the more more we hide it the more we give it different names the more unnecessary stigmas are you know placed on it when if people just openly talked about it more then it wouldn't be a problem but and they might be able to communicate effectively exactly there's a lot that I think could benefit more of just being able to more openly compu- communicate about these things than uh, teaching it as a taboo subject mm-hmm. um, in general. Okay. All right. We'll go through a couple more here. Um, <laughs> have you ever fooled around with someone on the outside? Like outside, out, outside, outside in nature. Prison? Outside in nature. Oh. <laughs> I was like, Not on like the outside. <laughs> like, what? 
<laughs> like in the outdoors? In the outdoors. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Sex stuff. Um, <laughs> sex outside. Sex outside. You know what they say about sex while camping? It's intense. <laughs> but I'm um, So oh, me being an outdoorsy person like for a long time, I'm just going to leave it there. Yes, yes, I have definitely fooled around outside. <laughs> Even as a kid, country raising, like that's where you, you know yeah. have your first explorations. How about you? Oh, for sure. Me, never. I'd be too scared. Uh, Me, I would just be, I I know it would be a situation to where even like if we were in a tent, if I was with somebody, it'd be like, oh my God, there's somebody listening. Uh, Someone's going to catch us. The park ranger's going to get us. That's happened to me so many times though in a tent. Like How many times? (laughs) (laughs) I spent a lot of time in tents. Um, the creepiest, I mean, I've definitely had, um, not while, while sleeping, actually sleeping with a partner in a tent, had sort of the park ranger show up and be like, get out of the tent. And we are like, but we're naked. Can you give us a second? Because <laughs> we were oh camping in the wrong place or... I've had that happen several times. Illegal camping. Yeah, I get you. See, nowadays where I camp, like, that's not even a realistic possibility because we go up into the mountains. And it's like, no, I am very much in my cocoon thing that keeps me warm if it's like 10 degrees outside and don't touch me. Like, there's nothing coming off under here that doesn't have to. (laughs) You can think about it, but that's about it. Um, Think really hard and I'll talk to you in the morning. Here's a funny one Have you ever bought sexy underwear and wore it? So back to Tinder. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Um, I've... I mean, we're all people of a certain age here. It's not like we're yeah. sixteen. You're talking to a guy with a Superman shirt on right now, but yeah, go ahead. Well, okay. Well, I would say yes to that question. Yes. Closest I got was my Star Wars underwear, just because. It allows me to say, feel the power of the dark side, you know, <laughs> something like that. But... <laughs> All right, one more. Let's go. You said the last one was going to be the last one. No, I'm. This is going to be the but last you one. Smart now. Ah! <laughs> Have you ever gone on a bad blind date? <laughs> so Tinder. Um, no, like seriously, and sorry, just totally jumping in on this one first, because there was like one, one date that I took because I knew it was going to be bad, and I love this date story, because he was very much just all about, you know, he was definitely using Tinder for something that I was very clear that I was definitely not using Tinder for, and he still insisted on wanting to meet at a bar, so I met with him, I think it was like after work, I was working in downtown, and there was some game on the TV, and I remember going in there, and he was just, like, him in some sweatpants and, like, a shirt, like, had his beard, just, like, watching this game, recognizes that it's me, so I get my own drink, by the way, go buy my drink, which I'm fine with, by the way, like, I wouldn't have let him anyway, I just thought it was funny, given that he was very, uh, very trying to, yeah, insistent, trying to sell me on something that he, like, wasn't <laughs> even treating me like a princess, he's like, nah. Uh, but yeah, like, he just basically was, like, grudge-watching this fucking game and drinking this beer, just barely having conversation with me, and I'm like, 
oh, this is deliciously bad. Like, I was just enjoying <laughs> oh. my drink. And he kept mentioning how he was watching a guy, like, he was watching a friend's apartment, like, right around the corner, like, slyly mentioning it. Uh -huh. And I'm doing quotes here, because it was, like, not sly at all. And so, like, would mention it, have, like, conversations that he felt needed to happen, would mention it, would have conversations. There's patterns, is what I'm saying. Oh, and then, so, <laughs> finish our drinks, and I finally just decide, like, you know what? I told him, like, sure, I'll go with you to your strange friend's apartment. This is fine. Because I just wanted to end the date. And then, like, when we got outside, I was like, on second thought, like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. But you have a good day. Like, I just wanted to end it so we could go our separate ways. But, so, I, I don't know. Does Tinder date count as a blind date nowadays? Nobody sets up anybody on blind dates yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to go on a blind date these days, yeah. it feels like. Well, well, I mean, the let's pictures, do, let's be real. Let's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, not all the time. I mean, you get some people that post, like, only pictures of their dogs or... Well, and this... it's like, even though, like, there's pictures, you could take ten pictures of you, and it might not really capture what you look like to a person when you meet them. And I think that's where a lot of, like, some of the catfishing stuff, like, there's people that looked at my profile back on Tinder. It's like, man, like, all of your pictures look different, but because I picked pictures that all looked very different, they kind of, you know, could more or less expect where most people are going to pick the pictures they just think they look really good in. I don't get the people that take, it seems like, uh, some of them may be bots, but, you know, some people take, like, professional photos that they put on Tinder. I don't get that. Yeah. But, hmm. I mean, I happen to have some that were professional, but it wasn't like that I went out to go do that shit. <laughs> I don't think any of the ones that are on there were technically I'm going to get a man, so take my picture. No. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I think we're just moving to bad date, because who blind dates anymore? Yeah. Well, I was trying to think back to the days of blind dates and see if I could. I've had a lot of bad dates. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of bad dates. I had one plenty of fish one back in the day that also takes the cake. But <laughs> back, if I want to date myself there on plenty of fish. Oh, man. So, bad date. Bad date? Yeah, I mean, just an overwhelming amount of bad dates. What about most recent? Most Well, I haven't really been dating a whole lot. Because um, I was married for 10 years, so that took up a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah, that would do it. Um, yeah. I only managed that for two years. I got that starter one right out of the way. Oh, nice. Just like, <laughs> nice. quick that's, brief yeah. two year. I, I, I didn't get that memo. I lasted 14, unfortunately, Ooh. but that's a different story. So, so not dating? Or just haven't since the... Well, so I haven't had any like particularly bad dates since my divorce well good yeah no See, that's a better I story like, i feel like the, the dating world <laughs> has really improved in the 15 years since i was really like dating a lot so i think that's positive that's good um, i feel like people are i think people have better boundaries and have have better understanding of like what's okay and what's not okay yeah for the most part totally well yeah. I, I i do like I think that for my type of personality, the social anxiety, blah, blah, blah type, type of deal, um, having a dating app is actually a nice thing to get that initial bit of anxiety out of the way, you know, because simply going up to a woman and would you like to go out? I've rarely done that. <laughs> Too scary. You don't have to anymore. That's what's kind of nice. Like, uh. You know, I, I try to read, like, a lot of the books that they were turning into movies. Like, they've kind of had this trend of turning self-help books into entertainment movies. So when Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man came out, I read the Steve Harvey book. And they're, what, I don't know what people's general opinion is of him, but I will say that that book, not so bad. He had some fair points. 
And one of which is he was really talking about, like, there's no reason to stay in a bad relationship anymore because, you know, people think that, well, who am I going to meet? It's like, man, with the internet out there, it doesn't matter. I, he has this thing where he goes on, it's like something like this. Of, it doesn't matter if you're big or small, if you've got a gap in your teeth, if you've got, like, glasses, no glasses, like, an extra toe. Like, you're going to find people out there who are all about you. Like, it's, it's made it, it's turned it into, like, you can kind of crowdsource, like, meeting somebody that likes you, the package that you come in, and gives you more of an opportunity to feel like you can genuinely be yourself from the go. So, that's what, kind of a really cool way of looking at, like, dating apps and technology. And yeah. Kind of interconnected with the internet. Also, too, with mm -hmm. stuff like polyamory, too, it makes it a lot easier, so you don't have to spring that surprise on somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, here, anyway. There's, there's yeah. a fair amount of polyamory here, but, you know, you get into other areas, and that's still very much, don't you talk about that, you know? Yeah. My bad date story, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, and I think I may have told you before, but right. um, in my 20s, oh, God, this date. Oh, is this the... Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Took a young lady to the movies, and um, before the movie started, you know, we were going through the usual chit-chat, now me on a first date. <laughs> not the most exciting, because, you know, just me with nerves and whatnot, I'm not, you know, going to be as talkative as I can be if I'm comfortable with somebody. But at one point during the conversation, she talked about how um, she, when she was in juvie, would yell into the toilet to talk to the guys on the other end because I guess if you yell loud enough in the girls' part of juvie, you could, you know, the guy, in the guys' part of juvie, they could hear and they'd be able to talk back and forth. And when she said that, I was dumbfounded. I mean, I got no, I mean, people make mistakes. People, you know, it, it wasn't about the fact that, you know, she spent time behind bars, uh, but just bring that up on a first date. How do you expect it to go after that? So, um, I would, there was not much talking after that. We saw the movie and then we went to the Olive Garden after that and there was still no talking. It was just really, really uncomfortable, but I was just getting passive aggressively pissed. Um, and I do remember the waitress was coming over to our table quite often asking if we wanted the check. And then at one point I said, uh, what's on the dessert menu? And, you know, ended up getting dessert and just prolonging it for as long as I could, because at that point it was just like, fuck it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I would say that would be, um, on my, on my tops of uh, bad dates. So I guess it, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You know, all right. We are coming to our album review of the week. Um, each week, um, you know, we, if, if it's a new person on the show, the new person will get that choice first. But each week we uh, go back and forth and uh, review an album that means something to us track by track. Um, you know, a disclaimer I give, um, at, I try to give it at, at the start of each show is that, you know, we're talking about enjoyment of art. So I may really like something, you may not really like something we are both right, you know? So, you know, we're, with this uh, review, we're gonna give honest assessments of what we think uh, about uh, particular tracks, but at the end of the day, we do strongly encourage you to search out these artists and support them because, you know, whether, whether you're a big band or someone just starting out, arts should be supported. So, what album did you bring us, Tracy? Um, Creativa? I think I'm saying that right, and um, that is an album by Johnny M, and he is a Esperanto reggae artist, 
Which, as far as being out there, the things that one can get into, I guess that totally would be included in that. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> I would say you have to have a specific taste for that one. But, you know, be looking for something, something I just came across on Spotify. What attracted you to that album? So, I got interested. My, my fiancé and I decided to learn Esperanto together, which is... Again, a whole other thing you can learn about on the side is just Esperanto <laughs> and everything. But um, we decided to learn it. It's offered on Duolingo, so it's free. And also, it like, can help you learn other languages, especially as an adult. It's a very easy language to learn. It was designed to be that way. And so part of me trying to dive into learning it was finding music, right? They say, like, listen to the music, you know, if you can find any shows. Um, fun fact, William Shatner filmed uh, a, a movie in Esperanto called Incubus. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. It's If we can look that up and put it in the show notes um, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's called Incubus. I haven't okay. watched it, but so I was on Spotify trying to find Esperanto artists, and the problem with that is there aren't, like, a lot. So I was, like, getting from, you know, reggae to the soft pop to, like, death metal screaming at me. Yeah. And so every now and then this, like, reggae kind of light-sounding fun guy would come on. I'm like, there's something about him that is like chill AF. So I looked into it and he's like this really adorable kid. Like uh, he just looks young. I have no idea how old he is, but I think he's originally German and he learned Esperanto kind of as that kind of like, Hey, it's a peaceful language. And I want to spread like kind of this idea that we can like have a language that all of us can learn easily and communicate. And uh, all of his songs are really positive. Um, like there's a few, I mean, what's sad is I can't tell you if we go track by track, like what all of them are, I'd have to think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. Cause I am still learning the language. Like I haven't been as dedicated to it as I probably could be, but I, you and I thought you were prepared. Oh, no. no, no, I know. I'm, I'm a terrible human being. I'm just busy in a lot of hats. Hey, I just like had an explosion of creativity and started a page. Forgive me. There you go. But, um, you know, we can at least get into a, at least a few of them with me if you didn't. I don't know if you'd gotten a chance to listen to them. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Um, went through it track by track, made some notes. Um, Aubrey did as well, so. Oh, okay. Because I'll probably remember them as you start talking about it anyway. It's like, oh, yes, okay, I know this song. <laughs> uh, and that, you know, yeah, this that, that's going to be the point of it. Because yeah. this is not going to be some in-depth thing where we, you know, talk about the history of a particular instrument or something like that it's yeah, just again yeah. more about enjoyment or you yeah, know whatever. if you want to look into the history of esperanto like that is all out there wasn't there a nicholas cage movie where the, it was set during world war ii and they use esperanto um the esperanto language to talk about you know allied you know troop movements and whatnot and the germans couldn't crack that, that one it was actually a know. german that um came up with esperanto yeah, because I can't so I remember. Would say no. Okay. That's probably not. What? It's probably some other language. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the movie might not have been based on any fact. They could have just thought that they didn't know Esperanto, because, I don't know, it seems like a silly one, since it's so easy to learn. Like, it would be a bad one to do secret code in. Just saying you should pick something that's difficult to translate, like, no, for secret code. Pig not something that was literally designed to be easy to learn. It's just a poor poison. Poor choice in, like, spy code. Okay. Uh, it was something I... I that memory <laughs> should... That I, who knows? I know. I'd be curious, because, like, that's the funny thing, like, about human memory, is it is so... Like, that's, you don't always remember things. I gotta correctly. find crazy out. I think it's called Wind Talkers. Yeah. They did, like, an Adam Ruins Everything, where they even talked about it, like, memory. But it wasn't Esperanto. It was 
it was some type of um, indigenous language. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It is called Wind Talkers with Nicolas Cage, directed by John Wu. Is it a Navajo. 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 So, Navajo. A native, totally a not the same. <laughs> has a culture and very difficult to learn. Yes. And very few people know. Yes, that okay. would make more sense. So cool. I was sort of right. <laughs> it had an O in it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, so track number one, and I hopefully pronounce this correctly Parolu? Parlolu. Parlolu. I can help you with some of that stuff. Parlolu. Parlolu, which actually means like to talk. Like, parlolas is like, like me parlolas would be like I'm talking or I talk. Speak. Mm-hmm. And parlolu is like that very, like that explanation. Like that you talk. Like parlolu. All right. So parlolu. Parlolu. What did you think about that? Um, I actually really like parlolu. It um, is a lot about speaking. Up. I, I wish I had like all the lyrics in front of me because I could. <laughs> I could have totally researched this better. I'll admit it. But I listen to these songs all the time in the background. And then while they're playing, I'll be like, <laughs> I think that was one of the hardest things about the whole album for me was the not being able to understand the lyrics and, mm-hmm. and it was so lyrically heavy all of the songs including this one um, there was a lot of words in it so sometimes you, if you listen to world music or um, music in different languages which I do this is not quite as difficult to listen to as this was because it felt like there was a heavy emphasis on the language, but not understanding language. You couldn't really like jive with what was happening in the song. Yeah, I, my notes were kind of along the same lines because um, I, I thought back, and the, you know, the groups I usually like are more balanced in terms of you know vocals and allowing the vocals and the music to shine and this um much like uh the casey musgraves album we uh recently uh reviewed and if you haven't heard her she's great um i, I totally fangirled out when i heard her music but um it um it, it, it's it the music was more of a way to emphasize the lyrics if that makes sense kind of like how music is used in uh, movies uh, you know um, which you know again for something that is so lyrically heavy as someone who does not understand that language probably took some it probably I I could see myself maybe enjoying the song a little more if I understood uh, the story of the song so if that makes sense that absolutely makes sense. A lot of where I get the benefit of it is you start to make those relationships with how, like, the grammar rules work. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime I hear parkoi, parko versus parkoi, parkoi is parks. It's like, and you actually can pick up some of that as you go. So that's what's kind of interesting about listening to it is to sit there and say, like, oh, the name of the song is da-da-da. Meanwhile, halfway, I'd have to be listening to it, like, oh, yeah, and, like, right here... Oh, he's talking about like meeting in the parks or talking with me, like parlulas con mi or parlulas con min, because yeah, sorry, rules. See, I'm still learning some of the grammar rules, but it, it kind of does that in the background of your day. So um, he does also have like little YouTube videos that go along with it. With they're totally like. <laughs> yeah. I I will say I did dig the harmonies on the song. You know mm-hmm. the, the the back and forth. That was a lot of what I got into. It was like I just really loved kind of the chill of everything and nothing really. And none of the message really is aggressive, which is probably something that may have appealed to me, possibly even subconsciously. But um, yeah, I like listening to him. 
All right, next track. Um, Ni esras fortage? Ni espes fortai. Because the J is actually pronounced like an I. Ah, and that's how okay. you pluralize something usually too. Um, but ni estes fortai means that we are strong. Now this one I can actually talk a little bit more about because it's really kind of cool, like all the stuff they go into. And it's like, he says something along the lines of like, if you don't like, and you can even hear it like, presidantoi. Like he's talking about like not liking the, the president or the party that you vote, or yeah, not liking like the president, then maybe you should like work on voting for another party. And you can even, he even says like party, because there's not really like a word, because some of Esperanto is that beauty of being able to make it up with some of the grammar rules. So if you're not happy with the president, get out and vote. Go vote for another party. Um, if you don't like the community, like uh, one of them was an example of like, if you didn't like the meal at your community gathering, become a part of like that community thing. And like, maybe you bring food next time. Like very much the kind of, instead of just sitting back and having a complaining culture, like together, uh, which is like what he's calling the community, the community, we are strong. Like we can do a lot if we actually work together. So see some of these songs, like where I really kind of understand more of the words and I've gone over them a little bit more. I get into a little bit more, but that, that one, actually, I like the message. Yeah. That actually does add a lot of depth to it that I did not pick up on. Yeah. But what did you think of that one? Well, what I noticed about these um, tracks, so, you know, track one is very reggae. Track two, I thought, had more of a punk. Not punk. I don't want to say punk, but almost like Green Day-y kind of feel to it. Pop punk. Yeah, like pop punk. Um, yeah. And, like, he, his voice is a little bit more like, I don't care whether you like my voice or not. You get kind of the stronger presentation of, the, of his voice. Yes, and I think part of that, like if you watch the video um, of it, he's actually going around and visiting the few other people who nerd out over knowing Esperanto. He actually refers to the um, Esperantoist, uh, uh, oh no, Esperantito, Esperantistoi, and that is like an Esperantist, like somebody who speaks it. So he's actually talking about in, in the video, he's going around, he's got like a lot of selfie videos of like his fans that have gotten him where he is. It's very much the whole album was a thank you. And that was kind of a big, like, him doing the tour and kicking off that big thank you to everybody. Well, I know me. I, not understanding uh, the, the lyrics, I didn't get the concept of the song, so I didn't pick up on, you know, the positive uh, aspects of it. Uh, the opening of the song, I expected Puff Daddy to make an appearance. <laughs> it really sounded like a Puff Daddy song, and I, I just expected, yeah, just... The, that type of stuff. I wasn't a fan of the keyboards. I did think the sound was a little over overproduced for my taste. Kind of one of those garage band type of you know let's put this instrument here type of deal. But yeah, um, I would say for this probably not one of my favorite uh, songs on the album. But hearing some more about what it's actually about raises it up. So let's put yeah. it that way. All right, the next one. I know your stepson <laughs> is a fan of this. Yes, bomb bomb. Um... So the part that always like tickles me is he will start singing this and it is uh I chicky 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 bum bum <laughs> and it's vegan I homely man just nail a bestoin which is vegan people don't eat animals. <laughs> uh, not the animals, like there's you know, there's obviously some translation bits there. So vegan people don't eat animals and it's actually him just talking about his reasons. Like if you notice there is totally like a fart noise that happens in that song. <laughs> And that was because, 
Yeah, it's like a little, like, and he's like, totally says like fartas or something like that. But he's talking about in Bovelin, which, cow, yeah. right? Yeah, because it, Esperanto borrows from a lot of, like, different languages. And uh, he's talking about, like, the gas emissions and gas, like, being created, like, environmental. Like, he's a vegan because of the environmental impact is part of it. He also, you know, talks about, like, they gas baby chickens, and I kind of don't like that they do that. So it's just, like, him talking about why he's made the choice to be vegan. All right. What did you think? It reminded me a lot of, um, it, so, so like I said, reggae, a little bit of pop punk, and then this one was more, sort of had a new wave feel to me, including, well, really reminded me of the band Tom Tom Club from the late 70s or 80s. Was that the one that the other members of the Talking Heads were yes, involved? Yes, okay. yes, yes. I know something. Yes, you do. <laughs> Good. You know things? Um, <laughs> it kind of had that kind of feel to it musically um mm -hmm. so i i liked it better than some of the straight reggae stuff because i'm not a super reggae fan yeah for me i wrote that this wouldn't be a bad listen if you're driving to the coast on a spring day you have the windows down you have this playing um i i'm not gonna pretend it's my favorite song in the world but it's a nice feel to it um i did like it they sounded like a casio keyboard but i did love love the keyboard opening uh, of the song um, and I did again uh, n notate that n you know not understanding the vocals did kind of you know right. it, it, it is a hindrance in terms of fully enjoying a, a song and you know but enjoyable I, I, I dug it so I mean obviously it's catchy that's why a five year old would want to <laughs> sing it constantly <laughs> It's so funny. Like yeah. they'll just do it out of nowhere, and the next thing you know, we're all playing Johnny M in the morning while we're making breakfast. <laughs> like <laughs> he starts it. And you said you would get a recording, so hey. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to. We're gonna okay. see about that. Well, I try not to put pressure on. Okay. You know? I don't want to be like. Did you hear about that influencer mom that her kid <laughs> bought a no photos please sweater? Yes, they wear it constantly when they're out with their mother or something. Oh, yeah. Like it's just like a Google passing. I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that to my. My stepkids, like, oh, not sure how appropriate that would be. Yeah. All right. So the next track, um, Alta, Alti Kai Espere. Alta Kai Espere. Yeah. Gosh, what is that? It's like something. So there's peace. I'm like looking at some of the words to help jog my memory because, like I said, if this, I'm listening to this it, one, was really just full of words. This yes. is the one where I, like, I was like, I just can't. With the girl, right? And she, like, comes in and starts singing as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are a lot of words. I mm -hmm. did. I love her voice. Like, I don't, I didn't know what it was. I just really found her voice, like, her tone. And maybe, like, you know what? Maybe part of the reason me not necessarily knowing the words doesn't bother me is because of my hearing. I've always had a problem understanding mm -hmm. lyrics anyway. Mm -hmm. So I kind of appreciate the voices. And there's just something about, like... Like when she's in, like, I don't know. I like her. I, I like get, her tone. I, I get that. I mean, because a lot of the bands I listen to, like, you know, the Rolling Stones, ACDC, you put on their albums, you're not understanding what they're saying, but the tone of their voice. And I noted, uh, you know, and I mentioned uh, the, the female singer in the song as well at the halfway point. I, I loved her um, addition to that song because it brought a lot more soul to it. Um, there was a lot of passion. I mean, with uh, Johnny M, his voice was pretty much the same level throughout. Um, no, in my opinion, um, it wasn't um, 
as vocally dexterous as I, I, I would want, I guess. But I, I loved her um, uh, contribution to the song. I loved, I, they were definitely honoring Bob Marley with the opening uh, of that song. I mean, I guess anybody playing reggae has to at some point. That'd be mandatory. But um, definitely like that. But yeah. any thoughts on, from you? Oh, any more on her? I, I know that it was featuring another band. It was one, because again, this was like a thank you. Like the whole album's idea was the creativeness and like the community that he had kind of come to know in all these Esperantists. And so that's actually another Esperanti band mm-hmm. that was featured. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, they've got also very chill listening. Because actually, if you did like her voice and like kind of more of a chill out and if not knowing the words doesn't bother you, they have some really kind of nice, very, very relaxing songs. Nice. I don't remember the name of the band. Well, that would help. <laughs> I mean, it would be... I'm sure it's on there. Yeah. On summary, yeah. Album. All right, next track. Um, I'm not going to pronounce that correctly. Ribble. Ribble. Something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to try and slaughter, yeah. slaughter that pronunciation, but what did you think? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could have picked a better you know, thing to go over because what else is there to say when you're using something to learn a language? Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly just like that most of his messages, whenever you do get to what they mean, is a translation typically messages of peace. It's very relaxing stuff. You're not having like blind hatred or any kind of weird like subtext like put into your ear subliminal messaging. It's, you know, because that, that came a lot into it too is I don't listen to a lot of music anymore. I listen to a lot of instrumental, a lot of, you know, focus stuff and things like that. Um, so I wanted to know whatever it is I'm listening to is going to kind of still kind of be that kind of peaceful message, no matter what language. Well, it's instrumental in. music is still music. Mm, I mean, yes, it is. Yeah. It very much is. And it's just like, for me, it's like instrumental plus the voice is an instrument too. Mm-hmm. And that's really something that's grown within me. Um, also from performing being like never singing in front of a crowd before to, Oh, Hey, this thing you auditioned for, it's a singing role. So learning that as an instrument as well and just enjoying, enjoying his tonal quality. And what I do like is when he does say words, he does tend to enunciate them because he knows that people listening are likely using it as a tool to help learn the language. All right. What did you think? I just noted that it had a Latin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like so, that he hits a little bit on everything, though. Like everything. That, that's the point of creative. I think was also, you know, because Esperanto, the very nature of it is bringing in that community and like casting that wide net of interest. So I think that's why I really like this one a little bit better. Um, God, what was the name of the first album? I don't remember, but there were two. This is the the mm. newer one of the two. Mm. Um, I, I liked kind of overall. You had that little bit of everything. So at least, I guess, the very least you could say is. Um, if you don't understand the words, at least you're getting a variety of music. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, my thoughts, I enjoyed the music in this. I mean, it, it was had a nice, mellow opening. Uh, the musicians really brought their A-game to this particular track. Um, again, more as a function to support the singer, but um, I, I, I felt they uh, did a really, really good job uh, on this particular uh, track. Now, the next one, Por Mia Patro. Por mia patro. Does he talk about neo-Nazis in this song? <laughs> because he keeps saying Well, I was something. hoping you guys would guess what por mia patro was, but... But I, keep, I kept hearing him say something that sounded like neo-Nazis. Which Nazis. Now so, I'm wanting to go look up the lyrics and see what you're talking about. <laughs> Hold on. Because I've been trying to kind of, like, I didn't want to be, like, 
too into it because there's a lot of it's not translated because he's not the let's see Gencanto uh, por mia patro so by the way por mia patro is for my father so it's actually a song that he wrote for his dad like oh, uh, gotcha. thanking him for supporting him and everything because mm-hmm. um, now I'm trying to find this what what was it because there's Chao Gaila Siesta no no Nazis so far <laughs> Causas I don't know I'm trying to think of what in there would be like. It was definitely like an N sound. For Vimi Creativa, so it was for my creativity. Oh, weird. I'll have to look up. Like, I might have to listen to this on a whole new level later and be like, is he talking about Nazis? I'm like totally wrong about his message of peace. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think it was, I was thinking more because reggae, you know, the, comes from a, like a warrior culture mm-hmm. more. And um, so. <clears throat> I was thinking, like, fighting neo-Nazis. He was talking about fighting neo-Nazis. But... And not the reggae version of Springtime for Hitler. Right. Or not, anything like not that. the reggae Springtime version of Hitler. Springtime Germany. I want to sing that. I want to see that now. <laughs> anyway. Um, me, I, I did note that it, it sounded like the previous few tracks uh, were more, uh, you know, electronic-based, like computer-based. Mm-hmm. Um, this song, I did like the fact that, you know, real instruments were brought back. Um, a little slower paced for my taste, but um, it was it was alright. What'd you think? Oh, sorry, I thought we already did mine. Put me a patro. So, like I said, kind of the message behind it is this was kind of the thank you song for his dad, because um, again, we're going through. He's thanking the community. He's thanking everybody, kind of like track by track. He wants to go through and kind of put that thanks out there, and even like lend some to different people's sounds. But this one was more about his father. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just another chill beat with him saying thank you to everybody. All right, next track. I hope I pronounce it correctly. Also, I'm trying to look ahead so I can help you out. Oh, you want me to or do you want to try it? Go ahead. I'll, I'll... Bon Venon. There we go. Bon Venon. What do you think? Um, so Bon Venon is like welcome. So mm. that was a little bit more to the new people, you know. Was it like... French Bienvenue? Bon mm-hmm. Venon. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I so... know they. Esperanto pulls from a lot of different, like the love languages and then Latin and um, all sorts of. Duncan, for example, is thank you. I think that's actually one of the ones down here is another one on this one. Nope, maybe that's the first. That was the first album that had Duncan. But uh, yeah, Bon Venon, welcome, welcoming more people in. I could just listen to him talk for a while, though, especially how he rolls his R's. What'd you think? It was fine. I mean, it was more classic reggae instrumentation, I thought, in this song. So I think we were getting more, um, less less keyboard, more real instrument. I, when I heard this song, I pictured it as like a scene in an action movie where Danny Trejo shows up. It has kind of a Latin feel. And, you know, Danny Trejo typically plays badasses in his film, whether he's a bad guy or a machete. Or something like that, but I just pictured him coming to town with with this song playing in the background. So um, it, I did like the uh, uh, Latin feel to it. A little on the mellow side. Um, I, the harmonies are really what stuck out to me, and I wasn't a fan of, of this particular harmonies in this particular song and the other singer that they uh, yeah. brought on. Another featured artist, so it very well could be because I hadn't. It's Jomo. Is who that was featuring, it says. Mm-hmm. Um, so that very well could be that he was bringing in that person's feel to the album. So that mm-hmm. could be why it kind of had that different, that Latin feel that you were getting. Yeah. I'm not actually familiar with Jomo. 
I am familiar with the other one, La, La Parisa or whichever, the one with the girl. Mm-hmm. But uh, that one, I don't think I'd heard any others from Jomo. Okay. Well, then we will move on. <laughs> Next track. Um, Ala Liberec? Ala Liberec. Yeah. I was right. Yeah, you were right. All right. What'd you think? Gosh, I'm actually trying to remember this one. Sorry, I feel like <laughs> such a shit. Like, <laughs> like because when you listen to it all the time, you don't think you need to listen to right. it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, uh, yeah. So it's just kind of funny. You're like, oh my gosh. Um, well, in this one, they take directly some uh, the, the Bob Marley. Whoa, yo, yo, whoa, yo, 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 whoa, yo, 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 yo. They do that a couple yeah. of times in the song. Um. I'd like the horns uh, in, in a song. I, it, they weren't used that much, but I think they were a nice touch. Um, solid guitar work. A little slower pace for my taste. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of reggae um, either. And this song just, yeah, not my cup of tea. Yeah, I'm actually now thinking, I was like, I feel like this one gets skipped a lot in my car. Like, <laughs> trying to look at some of the, uh, the, the lyrics to try to refresh my brain on how the song goes. And I was like, oh gosh, this is one of the downsides is because still learning the language. Yeah, without like the rhythm, it's kind of hard to remember which one it was. Mm. Well, track nine has some good lyrics in it at the beginning of, of it. Mm-hmm. He says something about Rastafari, and he says something about Rastafari. Oh, Malacha. Okay. Malacha. So you did move on. So Malacha, the funny thing about that is uh, my partner and I have tried to figure out what exactly that means, because it seems like it's uh, maybe a more recently made up word, but it's like... I looked it up Very fortun, estas Malacha, duolingo, estas Malacha, which obviously is a call Raspberry Pi, estas Malacha. And the best we can figure... and. So it is kind of an entertaining song because it's like, oh my god, there's words that I recognize. Because, you know, the Esperanto for a word that doesn't exist in Esperanto would just be the name of its proper mm-hmm. noun, you know, mm-hmm. kind of following that rule. And, uh, but I, something Baloo, espa, or doesn't he say like, oh, the Bear Baloo? Like, he even says oh. like, the Bear Baloo, Estas Malacha. So it's kind of a sillier song. But he was just talking about stuff like, we best figure it means like, it's cool. Like, it's, it's a good thing. Because like, oh, yeah. mal is normally, like, the opposite of something. And, like, acha is bad. So it's, like, it's saying, like, it's not bad. Like, it's cool. Oh. So, yeah, anytime you see, like, mal in front of something, like, uh, felicia is happy. But mal felicia is, like, sad. Uh, so that's one of the rules you start to learn. So that was, like, where we kind of tried to put it together. We've been tempted to, like, just contact the artist and be like, what does this What the word fuck do you mean? mean? <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that probably had an entertainment value to it early on was... You know, I understood some of the words. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so get your interest. I love the keyboards that open the song. Um, it did set the. It, it, they were simple, but they set a good mood. Um, I did not like the constant repeating of the title of the song. That got annoying really yes. fast. Um, I think it was on the Cocaine and uh, Rhinestones podcast where was it? It was the episode on Winona Judd where. I think where they talked about in country, there was a particular country producer that knew that if a song was particularly weak, they could hide the weakness. If they had the title of the song mentioned many, many, many times. (laughs) And I I think that's uh, where where this kind of falls into that category. But, um, you know, the music, 
I did really enjoy uh, this particular song, but the Malachim, it's like, calm down. You know, not as much coffee for you. Yes. All right, next song, Mancas Dormo. Mancas Dormo, Missing Sleep. So I was just talking about it in general, being up late, can't sleep, can't sleep for various reasons, either by creating or out late with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I remember of like some of the lyrics, but it's like, I kind of like that, Mancas Dormo, 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 Dormo. And like somebody did this music video of it with like these like just random things sleeping like from dogs and puppies to <laughs> oh, oh yeah see that's where it gets you because like whenever you first learn about because it took me like a minute to find this artist on amazon because i just like bought it so i could play it in my car and um so at first like a lot of my experience was these youtube videos that kind of went with uh-huh. some of these so it's like i'm realizing like there's this other way that i experienced it first so now it's like when I hear Mancas Dormo whenever I'm driving in my car, I think, oh, puppy's oh, sleeping. Puppy. Like, so there's that pleasant memory there. And like some of the, even the early ones we talked about where he's like all hyper. Because he's like this white AF little kid looking dude with like dreads. Like he's, he's great. And I love his energy. Like he hits me off like puppy energy. Like I, I'm not sure I'd actually want to hang out with him. I'm pretty sure he'd be too high level. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like Manca, Mancas Dormo is missing sleep. So just kind of talking about that. Okay. What did you think? Uh, I thought this one was okay. I like the the female voices that are sort of, it's almost like a little lullaby yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I get you. Yeah. I dug, it, it sounded in, in some ways like a 70s R&B song. I, I kind of dug that, 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 that flavor of it. And the, the guitar work was uh, pretty good in this, uh, in this song as well. Um, but... Yeah, just another one of those songs. I mean, this would be a song that once you're done playing at the coast and you're driving back home at night during a springtime, you probably have it on at that point. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a oh yeah, a like an piece. evening chill drive. Like mm-hmm. I get you, because it's kind of got that very relaxed. Because I guess that's the point of it, right? It's talking about missing sleep, like you're missing it. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to put on Slayer at a time like that. <laughs> All right, the next track, um... Patsigilo. Because okay. C is actually pronounced like a T-S, so Patsigilo, it's something that we've had. Um, I don't remember, this one is, it's about how millions is, are spent for war, whereas we're not really having enough money to even take care of like certain things. Like I, I remember uh, he specifically talks about like taking care of the youth and like some of, I think he talks about like local hunger too, mm-hmm. like some of those things, that, but we're spending millions on war. So there's the interesting definitions of, of that one. Yeah, we can always find money for that, but yeah. you know, how are we going to pay to make people healthy? Yeah, but there's kids who are sick, and like kids who are sick because specifically they're not getting food. But yet, we yeah, got bombs. We got millions for war, but not not for this. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I I like the song. Um, I thought the drums were good. I like them. Okay. Very good. <laughs> there are good drums. <laughs> there were good drums. Yeah. Um, I, th- that was on my notes as well. I did really enjoy the uh, various drum work because um, I believe not only, you know, traditional, what people would think of as traditional where the, you have the drummer sitting at the um, deck and, you know, playing, but they, you know, like, I think they had like bongos or something like that in the song as well. Um, really enjoyed that. The guitar work was good. Um, it was around this time that I did 
And, and I, I guess you could say this for reggae overall, but just the oh, oh sound um, that, that Johnny makes throughout was just, I had enough of that oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, please stop. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was all right. So next track. Verdure? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Um, I'm trying to get the clue here. Verdure, <laughs> <laughs> except Groupon. Well, oh my gosh! So this one was really funny because I kept all I could hear was Groupon in this Groupon. one. Yeah, because he says Groupon, and that is actually like he's not referencing Groupon. By the way, this isn't like a Malacha where he was like saying <laughs> like I, I know it means something, but it has it's not a word that's like come across my thing yet. But it's like <laughs> I'm a, 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 except to would be like probably accept because you know what I mean. Like a lot of those those words do right. like, kind of come close to what we'd understand like. Spoiler alert, Parco is park. Because <laughs> uh, it turns out, you know, a lot of our language came from different ones. But, yeah, I just, I remember that one as, as like, oh, the Groupon song. <laughs> what did you think? I think actually for the, I think at this point in the album, like, I kind of had the same thoughts about all the rest of the songs. Like, it, I think it is like this sort of fun, reggae-y, world beat yeah. trying to bring kind of a variety of things but yeah, like yeah. especially if you don't know if you don't understand the them. lyrics it's kind of like it's more like I'm easy so, listening right <laughs> so focused on lyrics and music like i really want to know what they're saying and so it's hard for me to yeah which is f- funny i mean uh, the first show you were on uh, we reviewed um What's the name? In the airplane over uh, over the sea. Yeah, uh, from Neutral Hotel. Yeah, and they're in, not my cup of tea, <laughs> but it was another uh, instance where yeah, it was just vocal heavy, and yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. All right, this particular song, I wrote me. Um, it it sounded like a drum beat from a Casio keyboard. Uh, the music, um, and just. It wasn't as inspired as um, the, some of the other other tracks um, on the album for me. So, um, wasn't I, I wouldn't say it was the worst track on the album, but it's it was close in my opinion. <laughs> to put it nicely, I was uh, say which one was this one? Mal Malfelici de Sidwe? Um, no, it was the, no Verdulo. Oh, Verdulo. Yeah. Verduli, yeah. Yeah. All right, the next track is... Oh, that one was Malfli Chai Detsidui. I'm sure it's about deciding something. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also about its unhappy decision. I know the word. Because Chai would be, you know, not happy. <laughs> so an unhappy decision. Okay. Do you have any thoughts? Kind of the same deal? Well, for me, I'd like the horns. Um, I would have actually liked to hear a lot more of them on the album overall. I mean, I thought they yeah. they brought a, a lot to it. Um, the Malacha that also kind of had a lot of horn work in there too. Yeah, that had like a little bit of that. Then I mentioned it. I, I yeah. like the horns. Um, I did like the keyboard solo. Again, it sounded like a Casio keyboard, but it it, it was actually pretty inspired in my opinion. I, I, I like that solo. And just overall, I, I would have enjoyed more chances for the musicians to shine on the, on the album. So, all right, 
last track, La Bileto? La Bileto, which um, I actually don't know what Bileto means, but I do know um, some of the lyrics, uh, Bonai, Amikoi, uh, Helpos Vin, which is, you know, beautiful friends help you. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back into that kind of helpful nature, trying to bring in a good beat and kind of bring you in that way. Um, but yeah, bringing like those friends coming together there at the end, because if it weren't for all of his friends, he wouldn't be where he is. Because this isn't like a major, major artist or anything. Like this kid probably still mostly works out of his garage. I mean, especially if you do get curious and go look at his YouTube videos, you'd be like, ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably tours by going to people, going to visit people. Exactly. Put him up. And, yep, and that's yeah. probably where he even. I'd be. I would venture to guess that's where he got like some of the clips that I mentioned in Niesta Sportai. Um, is just from visiting around and getting that message out there and stuff like that. So. Um, but yeah, so his kind of final song to say thank you for my beautiful friends who have kind of come together to, to help make this happen. Yeah, that does bring a little more perspective to the song. Overall, this wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Um, you know, the vocal delivery by this point, um, uh, again, I, I, what I've discovered by, you know, focusing on albums on the show here is I do, my, my favorite singers are the ones that do have a lot more range. You know, can, you know, be exuberant and happy or down and sad, but you feel it. Yeah. You know, like a good Frank Sinatra torch song. You know, when, when he's sad about a breakup or something like that, you're there with him. Um, and this, uh, you know, I, I would <laughs> compare to... <laughs> Compared to um, like Perry Farrell or <laughs> um, Morrissey, um, with two, I, I bring that up too because of uh, impressions I've done. Um, Kim brought up uh, <laughs> those impressions, and when Perry Farrell, uh, she brought up uh, James Addiction's first studio album, and uh, you know I uh, almost when it came up like with James, James says James says, and it sounded like that, but it was that consistency throughout the whole album, and then Morrissey, oh, you know same type of consistency there but it was over so that was uh me thinking i knew more about an album that i love than i did <laughs> no, the name, the name. oh the name of the segment not the name of the segment name of the sorry album. i was renaming the segment for you. um <laughs> i'll show me for not listening to my favorite shit and taking notes uh no like i said totally burned myself on that one (laughs) but i don't know like i said overall i listen to it as kind of the background of my day um a lot of it is you know i do a lot more driving now uh, just for like the overall encompassing of it and i don't feel like anything is like a strong aggressive sound and (laughs) most of the lyrics since we've looked them up if anything out of curiosity and that's when the translations are available because again he's not a very big person right but uh yeah mostly keeps you chill it's, it, I would put it more as easy listening, especially if you don't know the, the language. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy listening for me lately has been more Motorhead or Judas Priest, but mm. um, thoughts on the album overall? I have, am enjoying the album more talking about it with someone who really liked the album. So, so when <laughs> I, It gives you more of an appreciation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I see was, what you mean. Yeah. Laugh at her for that. God. Oh me, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I will take your humility and I will smite it. <laughs> like that's what Tim does. That's you. That's you right now. When no, I'm sorry. When I was listening to it, I wasn't I didn't I didn't feel connected to it really. And um, but like hearing you talk about it and your experience of it and sort of 
its role in your life and well, some of the translations like has really helped me appreciate it and, and that's the thing too i mean that's a, it, we both touched on it from the very first song that you know not understanding the lyrics and not understanding the story he's trying to tell in the songs right. you don't necessarily get what he's coming at like i remember one track early on i, I didn't bring it up initially but it was where was it yeah, the second song where I got the impression he was being a little cocky. And I, you know, I wrote the note that I could smell the Axe body spray that he uses. Is that the Nias the Sport Eye one? Yeah. Right? The, so yeah. the one where he was like also like, yeah, the super high energy. So that's funny is I actually said that because, <laughs> side note about haunted housework, it is disarming when somebody feels like you're saying something and they cannot understand you. So I was using the <laughs> oh, language sure. of peace. And just like saying shit in Esperanto. And there's like all these little holes where you can like get right in somebody's ear. And, uh, you know, me being the casting director, I didn't get to go in as much. So I, you know, I can fuck with people in the halls. And that's as much as I got to play. And like there was this one spot with a hole. And I just like went like this. <laughs> and like it would just people would like come up like oh my god i was like i'm saying we're strong which totally in context would be creepy like if somebody just got in your ear and said we are strong like that might also be creepy all right so that one gave me a lot of entertainment for a lot of reasons i can imagine but this is it wrapping up awesome. part one of our episode 100 um Yay. I can't believe we got to 100 episodes. Absolutely shocked. I mean, thanking people in the past on the show, people like Mora, Sterling, Ray, Noel, um, and other people that have been involved too, like Meredith, Asia, um, Shelby, who's now in uh, London uh, studying her uh, doctorate in anthropology. And it's funny looking at her Facebook too, because I guess she's fallen in love with that uh, Korean uh, K-pop band BTS or whatever they call it. Oh, I'm a shiny girl. Yeah, and but it's just <laughs> it's just fun because you know she, you know, will, will occasionally post up videos of like she's like a expert archer um, and whatnot. She's a complete badass. But then she will do like reaction videos to boy bands, and it's just like you kick ass, um, <laughs> you know. And I think too, I think, you know, been a crime on my part that you've not been on the show until now so mm. you know Paul, we needed we needed that space yeah and i will never regret that when was, something comes out better and healthier whatever you want to call it than and it was before the, after some spaces had exactly <laughs> yeah. um yeah and that's a story best left for a therapist not the podcast audience. oh totally <laughs> Just... but you know i've been thinking for the longest time i was like the more the show went on, the more I thought, my goodness, she's missing out. I'm missing out having her on the show. But I thought recently the biggest thank you I could ever give you is by keeping the show going. Yes. Because not only, I mean, you helped name the show. You helped with the initial, you helped with the birth of the show. And it, to me, you were the right friend I needed when you first came into my life because you allowed me to be me. And, um, you know, I say that from horrible marriage to a horrible person, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a different story, again, for a therapist. But, um, yeah, I, you know, so thank you. Of course. No thank you. I'm glad to be, you know, back talking. I mean, 
I'm not back talking. I mean, I back talk a shit ton too. But yeah. <laughs> there was, there was plenty of back talking. You, <laughs> you know, and who knows if you want to, maybe next time the Reverend Tracy can just be here every now and then. So there you go. I would not be opposed to that, sir. You definitely have an open invite because as far as I'm concerned, it's still very much just as much your show as it is mine. So, well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. And that leads me to you. And this is going to sound a whole lot better when the recording comes out. It's going to sound like one whole complete thought, not just like I just started the recording saying you. Yeah. <laughs> you startled me a little bit. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? Because <laughs> I haven't been present for any of these other recordings that he's been working on. Yeah. And um, we got one more to do because the whole theme uh, in my head was WrestleMania 2. So, I, I yeah. I, okay. I got an idea for the third thing. Um, but anyway, you. Okay. When we met, we met, I, I looked it up on the timeline of the show, because, um, and, and based on the timeline, uh, it was, we had just wrapped up our discussion on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and, and, um, it, and um, you know, before we had our first date, um, the, the episode that came after that was uh, the first Star Trek episode. You know, but okay. but for us, when we met, um, we didn't, um, you know, through timing, through our snow. work, snow and our work um, schedules at that particular time, we, for about a good month before we had our, our first official date, you know, we're just chatting back and forth. Yeah. And during... and you, you told me about the podcast and I had been listening, I was listening to it while we were yeah, that... doing this chatting. So yeah. That... During the, yeah, and I, you know, the, uh, you're like, I want to get to know more about you. And I'm like, well episode one if you listen to this show here and because i I've, I've you know realized that this show has all along essentially you know for my part of it been kind of like in a, a diary you know just mm -hmm. kind of just you know through through talking about stuff that interests uh you know whether it's myself or other co-hosts on the show we're able to talk about our lives so it's like a, a you know vocal diary of you know what my life was like and other co-hosts were like but mm -hmm. you know almost from day one you were there um for the show what did you think about it when you first heard it um, I was like, well, this is a little bit rough auto, audio-wise. Shut up. No. Oh, well, that's, I'm just going by <laughs> I, 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 that, I, I told <laughs> I you like, that beforehand. Yeah. I, I told you, you that beforehand. You warned me, and I was just like, okay. But then I was like, li I'm like, this content is good. Mm -hmm. Listening to it, just like, everybody's really, their their hearts are, you, you can see their hearts on their chest, basically. Everybody was all in and just pouring themselves out and... The, the raw honesty, I think, is what got me about the podcast at first. And it's basically how I fell in love with you. It's because I started, I was getting to know you that way and getting to know you as well while we were chatting back and forth, trying to, you know, between our work schedules and the weather, because it was the February snowstorm just kept coming and then going. And it was like, when there wasn't snow, I was working. When there was snow, yeah, it was like I don't really want to drive in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's part of how I fell in love with you. Cool. Um, any episodes stick out as your favorites? Um, I liked I liked the cartoon episodes because those brought back a lot of memories and the and the eighties TV shows ones. 
because I was just like, oh yeah, I'd be like listening to it while I was at work or something, and I'd just be like nodding along, like I remember this show. And... Yeah, I remember that was a good episode, but the, I, I tried something in that episode that ultimately didn't work. Um, in terms of, uh, for every show that Maura and I talked about, I had the theme song, okay. and that and that was fun doing all that research and downloading everything. But I think for, um, it it I didn't talk about prepare more enough and this was a failure on my part not her part whatsoever in terms of having proper spacing when we you know said the name of a tv show and then for the sake of the recording have you know like a five second beat um to where we didn't see anything so i could properly edit in the theme song yeah and i was still at that time and i'm still very much guilty of it now um wasn't as good as I could have been in terms of equalizing the sound so it wasn't mm -hmm. as jarring because to your point and it's still kind of the case now but the fact that we're doing a lot more you know two people uh, recording we mm -hmm. can have the microphone a lot closer and the sound is a lot better than it used to be but just how it would go from quiet you know fly on the wall type of approach yeah. to du -du 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 -du, you know just it, it, a bit jarring but love that episode I do too. That was a great one. Yeah. Now, th th in terms of the evolution of the show, what have you liked? Um, Apart from you joining the show officially. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty cool being a part of the show. Um, I'm just. I'm kind of at a loss. I'm, nothing's coming to mind at the moment. I apologize. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Um, Every show like this is going to have an evolution. I mean, even in the early days, the show is a talk show type of deal. Um, you know, when we first started, um, because of the podcast provider that we had and everybody's schedule with recording, what we did was, you know, like for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, for instance, um, you know, I went to, uh, in that particular particular episode uh, instance, I went to um the the person that was the special guest for that episode was jason grossberg a former co-worker of mine and went to his place and uh we recorded the entire episode there and then what i would do after the fact is kind of split them up and um you know have it each and every week because the original uh podcast provider i had only had like a 250 um, megabyte uh, upload limit per month which that's nothing it's it's nothing so i had to figure out you know how to save the audio files in lower quality which you know wasn't that that big of a deal but it it um it was big learning lessons throughout but you know switching to simple cast and you know and and going to a weekly format has i you know made the show in in my opinion a lot better that is not knocking the older episodes whatsoever oh no not at all so if any of the other previous uh, hosts are listening right now that is not an insult it is just an evolution every show has that evolution yeah and that's the thing about any kind of art i mean you can call podcasts art because it's an expression it is it, it's, and yeah. music is an art and art is an art <laughs> <laughs> what? And writing is an art. Literature is an art. And all of all throughout any kind of art, you see evolutions. You see evolutions in style and content. People's writing changes over time. You know, when you're younger, you write much more earnestly than when you're older. Um, things of that nature. So, I mean, that's just the case for pretty much any kind of media. It's going to change over time. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, 
I thank you because you've been, you know, not only a fan of me, um, <laughs> <laughs> you've been a fan of the show almost from day one. It's biggest cheerleader, uh, one of the first people to leave um, <laughs> comments in terms of a review. Um, I'll read your review right now because I thought it was fun. <laughs> you wrote. Uh, I enjoy listening to this podcast every week. I've ridden Space Mountain with a host and had a fabulous time. So... <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot I wrote that. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, so there's that. I'd like to read some of the other uh, reviews that we got here, too, because we actually got a couple uh, within the past week. Nice. So um, one... Uh, says five stars really fun show the auto-tuned intro song is worth a five-star rating alone i highly agree i remember um i when uh laz uh created the the song for me one he didn't have to do it um you know it's one of those yeah i mean i I wasn't able to pay him money at the time i haven't paid him money now i mean i've definitely uh, done what i could to direct traffic to his website and Mm -hmm. if the day comes that this show makes money he's gonna start getting some but that theme song my goodness the theme song's great yeah and uh i mean it definitely um (laughs) it definitely makes the show seem a lot more professional than maybe (laughs) is. let's put it that way so thank you for that laz um another comment here is Fun listen, five stars. It's just like the name says, very nerdy. Yep. Boom. All right, here's another one. Cheers to you, five stars. I love the intro song. Seriously good stuff, and I love hearing other takes on different nerd things that make the world go round. Keep it up and can't wait to hear more. Oh, that's sweet. I love that review. I give that review five stars. All right. That's TMAC817. So thank you, TMAC817. I don't know who that is, but thank you. Here's another one called Take a Listen, Five Stars. You know it's going to be a fun podcast with an auto-tune intro. Great content (laughs) and banter from the host. Hit download already and see what you've been missing. Oh, that's sweet too. Everybody's so nice. Yep, and here's the last one. Uh, This is actually from Saturday from Joanna. It says, I want to hang out with them. Five stars. Aww. I love the conversations on this podcast. The hosts mesh well and it feels like you've known them your whole life. Oh, that's a... That's sweet, too. Oh, my gosh. I give all these reviews five stars. Joanna. I give all of our reviewers five stars. Joanna, will you marry me? Okay, maybe not. You don't want that. <laughs> uh, just, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It was a joke. You know? <laughs> yeah, you didn't see it, but I gave him a stern look. I'm like, mm. I got the stink eye. <laughs> all right. So for the first part of the recording... Um, we had a little fun with a little segment called Have You Ever. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're going to do the same thing here. Um, uh, before we do that, I did mention on episode 99, um, I did, uh, you know, t- uh, talk about the fact that um, you're experiencing a family member who's going through an illness. Your grandmother. Um, yeah. Just want to give the tiniest bit of an update for folks because we did have uh, some good news. She's improving slightly. Um, she has suspected coronavirus. She's in the hospital. She's in the ICU. But she was declining pretty quickly, and they they changed up her treatment, and the um, her oxygen levels are 
climbing steadily and she's she's doing a little bit better it's very touch and go yeah because she's 93 years old and not in the best of health but she's fighting she's a fighter she always has been all her entire life she's been a fighter and so. that's the important thing um definitely wish her the absolute best yes and i'm sure the audience listening wishes the absolute best as well and hope she kicks coronavirus's ass if that's what she has yeah the the problem with coronavirus is apparently the testing that we have for it has a very high false negative rate it's like 23 percent according to sources great so she's been tested twice now we haven't got the second results yet the first results were negative but like i said 23 percent false negative rate yeah and she had every single symptom well so because of that and other heavy news going on i thought the have you ever would be perfect here because it would give us a chance to have a bit of a laugh yeah 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 because uh tim can attest i've been quite stressed out this week not feeling so great myself um, I haven't left the house since Saturday, and it's like Wednesday now. Because I went out to do the grocery pickup, you know, the, the what they call click list at Fred Meyer. Yep. You make a list, you go, you pay online, you go there, they put it all in your car, and you drive away. It's super convenient and very helpful <laughs> when you don't want to go into the store because everybody is scary. Yeah, there are some awful people in the world, so... Let's go through some of the questions here. Yes, um, let's get happy. As, as we, as uh, you heard earlier in the episode, um, for the have you ever questions, and I made very clear to Kim before we uh, hit record for this episode, <laughs> any question I ask, I am going to answer as well. So while we'll have some fun with maybe some of the risque ones, um, you know, <laughs> if, if I ask her a question, I'm going to answer it as well. So it's not, I'm not putting her on the spot or anything like not that. Too much on the spot. Still a little on the spot, but that's okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Love the enthusiasm. All right. So I am, I am very enthusiastic. Have your mouth. Here we go. Yes, <laughs> All right. Have you ever stayed awake for an entire night? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like all the time. <laughs> Any memorable time doing this? Um. I remember one time when I was in college and I stayed up all night like cramming for finals and I was literally delirious by the time I because basically my final was going to be at 730 in the morning mm-hmm. and I was like it was like 1 a.m. and I'm like I'm tired but if I go to sleep now there's a good chance that I won't wake up in time so I'm like all right screw it I'm gonna power through yeah and I was it was really tired when I was walking, walking across campus, getting to my final and I get in there and I'm doing pretty well. And all of a sudden you get, you know, you, you get that feeling when you haven't eaten much and all you've been doing is drinking caffeine and you get that feeling in your stomach and you're just like, Oh God, I'm going to throw up. Uh-oh. I almost threw up all over my desk, all over my final almost, but did not. I like powered through just kind of like, just closed my eyes for a minute. Just took really deep breaths powered through finished my final got out of the classroom threw up went home went to bed (laughs) there you go Um, (laughs) (laughs) not a very fun story but it was very memorable yeah um me i know 
When I was like in junior high and high school, that's when I discovered the joys of late night television. Ah. Uh. Um, especially during the summer. During the summer, I would be glued, you know, watching like, you know, classics like Late Night with David Letterman, the last mm-hmm. couple years of Carson. Um, fuck Jay Leno, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I remember one time during the summer, I had stayed up for two days. Two whole days? Yeah, two days, and my mother didn't realize it at the time, but she found out rather quickly, because, like, on the second day, um, it was about 7, 7.30 at night, and I'm just sitting on the couch. We had two couches at the time, and I'm just sitting there. Next thing I know, I'm getting shook awake. I had passed out on the couch, and my mother was like, get your ass to bed, dummy. <laughs> oh, another time I ended up staying up super late was when... um. Oh gosh, I was, it was when I was in high school and we went on a family trip to Hawaii and we were traveling from Maui to Honolulu to Portland and there was delays all along the way and by the time we finally got home, I'd been awake for about 36 hours or something like that. It was some insane amount of time. But I couldn't get to sleep right away. But so I was like sitting in my room. I like was unpacking my suitcase. I had set it on the floor. Next thing I know, I wake up like about five hours later with my face in my suitcase. (laughs) Just like, oh, well, (laughs) then I climbed up off the floor and got into the bed and slept for another like five hours. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I've never done that before. Okay, here's another one. Have you ever gotten in trouble at church or school? Well, okay, yes. I remember one one time. I was a pretty good kid. I didn't get into trouble once much, but I remember one time it was in elementary school and a friend of mine and I were making this speak and spell say bad words. <laughs> And I got, someone told on me and I got talked to and I was just like, okay. I was like really embarrassed. <laughs> I, I know my kids when they were young had one of those. They had this caterpillar with like each foot of the caterpillar was like a letter. Uh-huh. And you can switch between it just saying the letter A um, to having it sound <laughs> the letters. But what the beautiful thing about the, what the caterpillar did is that, you know, you could make it go, ah, but if if you hit but but the funny thing is you go ah once you hit it would laugh before it went so it was I, I thought that was pretty pretty fun there the fact that it it gave you the acknowledgement that you were trying to mess with it so, but it was like not so, so I go like so ah yeah almost like a Japanese schoolgirl type of thing oh god that's really funny. Um, me, I would say it was January 1988. Wow. On a, it was a Monday because on Sunday previously on the USA Network, the first ever Royal Rumble occurred. <laughs> of course. Yes. It all goes back to wrestling. Something wrestling related. And that was, that, that was the first time I ever saw that match. The first time it was ever shown on television, period. The whole concept of the Rumble, it's kind of like a battle royal. But two people start out in the ring. And then every at that time, every two minutes thereafter, another person came in until uh, with the first Royal Rumble, there were only 20 participants. And then, you know, it, it was battled down until there was only one person left in the ring. So perfect for television. But after I saw that... It was like, I got to do that at school. 
because I thought it was a brilliant idea, <laughs> you know. So <clears throat> what I did, I got to like twenty sheets of paper and <clears throat> hand wrote, uh, you know, like contracts. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times in professional wrestling, they'll have like segments where you know the, the performers sign a contract to you know wrestle in like a main event match or something like that. So I went to all my friends and had them sign you know le- you know quote unquote legal contracts, and then for a recess that day, uh, went out and it was Michigan winter, so like three inches of snow out with my foot, made a big square in the snow. And, you know, was going to start the rumble at that time. But, you know, I was trying to get people to actually do it like it was on TV where two (laughs) people start. But then everybody was just went in at once and it was just (laughs) a madhouse. And then after about five minutes, a teacher came and um, was, you know, breaking it apart. And then she went to the two bullies of the school and, and she started yelling at them like, why did you start doing this? And they go, it wasn't us. It was Tim. It was Tim. She looked at me didn't say anything just shook her head and walked off <laughs> that was the last i heard of it but yeah that's that was uh <laughs> me getting in trouble at school so all right have you ever sung karaoke or did a lip sync song oh yeah i've sung karaoke any memorable experiences um well the thing is with karaoke you generally have to be at least one drink in before you do karaoke yep um, although I do remember one time, um, let's see, this was probably 1998. I was with a couple friends from Clark College. I was when I was doing a network administrator program, and we were all we were like study buddies, and we got finished with finals, and we went to this Mexican restaurant, which is now sadly closed, and we had a couple of what they call consuelas. Which are really, really crazy big drinks with a lot of alcohol in them. And they were doing karaoke that night. And Love Shack. It was a train wreck. Oh, man. (laughs) Because you don't realize how long that song actually is until you're up there just going, Love Shack, baby, Love Shack, forever. (laughs) Literally forever. It is my dream to one day sing Rock Lobster in karaoke with somebody. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, because I can I can do a halfway decent Fred Schneider impression, <laughs> but who can? I mean, that's that's a pretty easy one to do. <laughs> um, for me, my twenty third birthday, uh, my grandmother and my father brought me to a, a VFW hall. <laughs> oh jeez! On a Friday night, and oh, God. Um, I started having Boilermakers. What are Boilermakers? Boilermakers, for folks that don't know, are a big glass of beer and a shot of whiskey. And what you got to do is put the shot of whiskey in the beer, then you drink That's it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I had seven of those. And by the end Whoa. of... Whoa! Yeah. I, I was gone by the end of the night. Um, by the end of the night, I was actually singing uh, karaoke with a guy with Down syndrome. Okay. I don't even know how he got into a bar, but you know. I mean, he, if he was a legal age, I guess, who cares? But still, I mean... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was I got you, babe. Too. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Have you ever lied to get something cheaper than it was? No, I don't think so. Although I've noticed I've done this once or twice when I've been doing self-checkout. I'll like 
get to the end where I'm like pulling my bags off the thing to put in my cart and I'll realize I forgot something. And there've been there was a time one time I was just like I've been here long enough. Fuck it, I'm taking it. <laughs> Cuz it was like it was like one of those like um like instant mac and cheese cups. Right. It was only like a buck. Yeah, security's not going to you know tackle no. you and taser you to get that back. No, it's just it, it had fallen in the bottom of the cart. It had lingered in the corner. I didn't see it when I was pulling all my groceries out. And it was back when I still would occasionally shop at Walmart. So, I didn't feel too terrible about it. Yeah. I there was a moment of like and then I'm like Ugh, uh, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. Um I shouldn't have asked this question because I can't think of any t- any particular time. I'm sure I have, and I don't t- take this question to be particularly malicious or anything like that. I mean, no, because what happened like with me was an honest mistake. I was just like I'd already finished checking out. The person behind me was giving me the stink eye, wanting yeah. me to get out of the way, and I'm just like, "Fuck, okay, fine." <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I yeah shouldn't have asked that anyway. <laughs> Okay. There we go. You got me to admit to larceny and... Uh, sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Have you ever sunbathed partially or totally naked? Well, isn't like sunbathing in like a swimsuit basically partially naked? Uh, I mean, I guess... I mean, I, I think what they're maybe... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, did you have a top off when you were sunbathing or something like that? Or was it just a full swimsuit and you count the exposed skin as being partially naked? Well, I have, like, I've gone, like, skinny dipping before, but I don't think I would consider that sunbathing. No, because you'd be in the water. And yeah, exactly. You're not gonna be... <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not really. Well, not anymore. I mean, when I was younger, I would. I would occasionally like lay out and try to tan, but I would always be wearing a swimsuit. Okay. Me, I've never done that. I would never do that because with my anxiety issues being what they were, I would be so scared that you know, like the police would show up or something like that. Or you'd sunburn your nethers. Or that, yeah. I mean, it would. I think of that Family Guy episode where Stewie got addicted to, uh, like, you know, tanning. Had a tanning bed in his room and everything, and you know, he told Brian to wake him up after twenty minutes, but like six hours later, (laughs) he came out and. Yeah. 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 I'd be scared of that, but all right. Have you ever had sex with a person whose name you didn't know? No, I've always known their name, but that doesn't mean I remember it now. In the same boat. I mean, if I, if the question were, did you ever have sex with somebody whose last name you didn't know? There were probably a few. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's different though. Yeah, but yeah, I have to say, I've I've done that. Okay, have you ever not been able to remember how you got somewhere? Yes, but let me qualify this. Okay. Because there's those times when you're driving and you get into autopilot and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't even remember any of that drive. That happens to me on on a pretty regular basis. I just get, I autopilot myself going places. And there's times where I was like, why did I, and that, I did that one time, I'm like, why am I here? 
or I was like, I was driving to go somewhere else and I ended up starting to go to work. I got about halfway to work and I was like, why, what, where am I? What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen before and you're just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And for me, it'd probably be more, the times I remember were more along the lines of one of the earlier questions of, um, you know, staying up all night, you know, it's because mm-hmm. it, sometimes you can be so tired um you could still have somebody you know like say your name and you your your brain may still technically function you may still talk and be able to walk and whatnot but sometimes i've you know been like up watching tv and then you know the next moment i'm waking up in my room in the dark you know type of deal and then finding out later that my mother was like go to bed okay you know walking off but it's not like uh that michael douglas movie the game where like i wake up in mexico three after three (laughs) days and not you know that would involve probably a lot of drugs if that happened to me yeah all right have you ever gotten so sick that you swore off a particular food or type of alcohol yes yes i i have two stories in regards to that one i remember as a kid getting some flu or some stomach thing or something and i got so sick and then while i was kind of recovering my mom had gone to the store and bought grapes and i was like oh grapes sound really good because at the time i was kind of dehydrated and i ate the grapes and my system did not like the grapes and i threw up and i threw up really hard and really violently and i couldn't eat grapes for like a year second story i got the the one and only time i have vomited from drinking truly i've only vomited one time from drinking was with (laughs) was in college with a couple of my friends at the time and we had shared about two-fifths of spiced rum and yeah yeah captain morgan and i are not friends we will never be friends i've never drinking i've never drank spiced rum since then just the thought of it now is making me feel a little bit queasy i'm kind of the same way with alcohol Um, if i you know it it hasn't happened often but the times that i have drank so much that i've I've thrown up i've never drank in that particular type of alcohol again Uh, the first time it happened um i had gone to see my first james bond movie in the theaters Mm -hmm. tomorrow never dies great that's a good one um, about I don't know if I told the story on the show before or what, but uh, about halfway through the movie, there's a scene where James Bond is in a hotel waiting for Elliot Carver, uh, the big bad guy in the film, his henchman, to come get him. And he's sitting in a chair next to him. And he's got a bottle of Smirnoff vodka, pours himself a shot, drinks it. I'm sitting in a theater thinking Pierce Brosnan is, Brosnan is a badass. And I'm thinking, you know what? If James Bond can do it, so can I. So after the movie, I went to Myers, um, the local um, grocery store. In it's a pretty big in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, bought some Smirnoff vodka because it had to be the same type of drink that James Bond had. Of course. Um, went home, made some baked potatoes, <laughs> drank about half the bottle of vodka, ate the potatoes, and it proceeded <laughs> to come on out. It came. I, I was vomiting in stanzas. <laughs> it's just brr, brr. <laughs> yeah because i with the spiced rum i got the drunk munchies the drunk munchies are the worst because you always want something you know is just gonna come right back up mm-hmm. i wanted potato chips so i my f- drunk friends and i had gone to what we call the et 
which was short for the Superette, which was a convenience store. It was right off campus. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, I want potato chips. I got like a, just, you know, a standard sized bag of Lay's chips. And I just mowed those down. And I get home and I'm like, I'm in my dorm room and I'm like looking at my loft bed going, I don't know if I can climb up there right now. So I like grabbed my blankets and my pillow and I just pulled them down. I was going to crash on the floor. And then all of a sudden I was just feeling sick as hell. The closest thing to throw up in the potato chip bag that still had some potato chips in it. Yeah. You could just pretend the vomit was guacamole, right? <laughs> no, I just, I just, all of those chips came right back up, right back into the bag. And then, uh-huh. and then I tossed the bag down the garbage chute. What I don't more even. Can you do? I don't even know <laughs> what kind of mess those poor janitors must have come. I don't know. I, I assume there was a bit, just big dumpster underneath the garbage chute, and everything just immediately went into the dumpster. Hopefully, but I hope so because you don't want to I imagine can't... some like homeless homeless guy. Like, Ooh, potato chips! <laughs> oh, yeah. There's uh, even dip in here. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yuck. Okay. All right, last question. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been hit on by someone who was too old? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Any woman will tell you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any positive examples of that? No. Okay. No. You're just... Seriously, I mean, I I remember when I was like a freaking like 16 17 year old girl getting hit on by creepy guys like on the max and just like dude no yeah stop it's just gross men can be really gross we can be we can be unfortunately um for me (laughs) uh, my last year of high school occasionally uh, my mother was working um at the she started working again at the bar she worked at when we um, my sister and I were, you know, in kindergarten. Uh, she ended up going back there. And, you know, at that time I was about six, five, um, about 190 pounds, believe it or not, just skinny as fuck. But I would go into her, her, her job on occasion. Um, the boss liked us. Um, as long as he had owned the place, he left a picture of my sister and I, um, when we were kids, uh, that my mother had taken at like Kmart or something like that, but we both had hats on with the bar logo on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on occasion, I would go in there uh, after high school, and some of my um, mom's friends who were customers at that time around her age, so we're talking late 30s, early 40s, and I was maybe 17, 18 at that particular time, they would make comments as I walk in. Oh. And at the time, I didn't even put two and two together. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, like years later, I think they, they were hitting on me. I mean, they, they, you know, a lot of them look like Don Knotts, but just, it it was, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, like American pie or something like that where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're 17 and like the, the hot mother who was in playboy in her twenties is hitting on you now. And you just have to say, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, every boy's dream (laughs) that didn't happen, but is what it is. So anyway, 
we got an album of the week. Album of the week. Yeah, so this week, um, you know, in the first half of the show, uh, since uh, Tracy was the special guest, we did um, review an album that uh, she brought here. So uh, it's it's uh, it's a supersize episode, episode 100. Oh my gosh. We are going to talk about... Billy Joel. We're going to talk about Billy Joel, of all people, and his album Glass Houses, which came out in 1980. This was one of the first albums I ever owned. It was I had it. My mom had joined the Columbia House Music Club. Oh, I rip those off all the time. And she got me a tape of this album, and I had a little a little tape recorder that I would play tapes on, and I would record things on. And um, this was my my tape I had, and I remember um, she and my dad got me tickets to see Billy Joel live when I was in fifth grade. So my mom and I went to the concert at Memorial Coliseum. Cool. And it was my very first concert, and it was really, really cool. I had such a good time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was super exciting for me. So, yeah, when I hear this album, I, it just brings back a lot of good memories for me. And I think it's still a pretty solid album. I don't know if anyone else will agree with me, because it, it, it sounds dated, but at the same time, yeah, as, as Tim nods frantically, sounds dated. <laughs> but I found I find myself, especially in times like these where things are just crazy, and you know you feel like scared and confused and stressed. Sometimes bringing out the old albums that you have good memories associated with is a good thing to do, and that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. I've actually been listening to a lot of stuff I hadn't listened to in a long time, including this album. So that's why I brought it up. Nice. Now, as always, uh, we do give the disclaimer that, you know, Kim and I are going to give our honest opinions, whether it's positive or negative. They are just that, our opinions. Um, at the end of the day, even though Billy Joel doesn't need it, we do strong. The reason we're bringing this up is that it means something to at least one of us. Yeah. We, we encourage you to, you know, to check out this album, whether on a streaming site or even purchase it. You know, I mean, again, it's not like Billy Joel needs the money, but a good album is a good album. You know? Yeah, he's got a lot of money. It's not like he needs the money. But I think that, honestly, I think a lot of his early work is really good. I think he kind of started jumping the shark about mid-90s. <laughs> I remember junior high. The reason I'm not a huge Billy Joel fan is due to the promotion they did for We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, I was in junior high. It was junior high. And what Billy Joel did for that song, since he mentioned a lot of historical stuff, the record company put together a lesson plan oh. going about the history. And we had to watch the video and talk about it. And, oh, God. If, uh, maybe you like it. I That song was just hot garbage. I, it was a dumpster fire. It was the problem with that song that I think is that it's a ripoff already of R.E.M.'s uh, It's the End of the World as we know it. Yeah, but and that, that was that was a good song. That's a good song, yeah. and the In Excess song, where they're I can't remember which song it is, but where they're like doing the Deliberate Seminary. Oh, that's the, yeah, that was with the uh, signs. That and, was the co yeah. First of all, the video that that part of the video for In Excess, they were ripping off an old Bob Dylan um, the, thing from an old documentary he did in the '60s. But that was essentially it was a technically a separate song, but it was tacked onto the end of Need You Tonight. That's right. It was the end of Need You Tonight. I couldn't remember the song, just blanking. Anyhow, I have a good story about that song, the We Didn't Start the Fire 
song. I ended up going to see Billy Joel when he was on tour in the late 90s. At, and it was at Moda Center. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be in the section that where you could see the um, sign language translator. Because a lot of concerts, believe it or not, deaf people do like music. They can feel the vibrations and the changes in the patterns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of deaf folks actually do go to concerts. And so when that happens, they have to provide a sign language translator. And so the sign language translator for We Didn't Start the Fire... That guy earned his money that night. He was so good. Just all the stuff. And he had the signs. And he was throwing the signs. And he was signing like crazy. And it was like watching two separate concerts at once. It was amazing. I So anytime now that I go to any kind of show, I always look for the sign language translator if there's one there. Because it's it's really interesting to see the things happening at the same time. Just so you can tell people afterwards, I saw the sign language person at the concert that's a terrible joke Tim. that's a terrible joke <laughs> all right let's let's get this started all right track by track track number one you may be right you may be right um what's cool about this album is it's literally was one of the first albums i ever heard this introduced you immediately to this concept of samples because it had the breaking glass effect right at the beginning because you know the album is called Glass Houses. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, the breaking glass effect, every time I hear that, I'm just like, oh, it's you may be right because I like this song a lot. Um, I think it's just it's just good kind of straight up kind of rock and roll. It's got that kind of rockabilly guitar, a little bit of rockabilly going there. Uh, I like the saxophone. I like the bass line. Uh, this song was actually a TV show theme song. Which TV show? Yeah, it was a TV show uh, starring the late, great Harry Anderson. It was after Night Court, he had a show called Dave's World, um, which was a fictionalized uh, version of Dave Barry. Um, and Harry Anderson was the star of that show, but um, it, they used this song for the theme song. They also used a Billy Joel song for the theme song for Booze and Buddies. Yeah. As well. Yeah, um, but this, uh, the thing about Dave's World, it was only on for a couple of seasons, wasn't really memorable, but what happened is once that show was canceled, there was another TV show that started soon after that that ended up using the same set. Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, I hate that show. I love that show, actually. <laughs> um, I, but but I get it. I, it. Because with Everybody Loves Raymond, one, there is nothing about that show that is original. But it shows that with the right material, you know, showcasing it to the right audience, um, you, you know, you can follow the same normal beats that you normally would and still put out quality stuff. Now, t- t- the reason I like it is that, you know, having been married, having crazy in-laws um, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, I can relate to a lot of the scenarios that happen to the show. And I think that's because um, I've had friends that, you know, had similar circumstances where they saw it when when you know they were single didn't care for it but then once they got married had some of similar situations happen then they were able to relate to it and get the humor um and of course they had some great actors on there but um, i don't know if it's a matter of getting the humor when it comes to everybody loves raymond i've i've found in my experience when it comes to that show people either really love it or they really hate it yeah there's really no in between ground with that show but anyway, we're not talking about everybody else dreaming here. No, so. but I hate it. So uh, okay, um, for the song here, I put it's not the greatest in the world, but it's not 
bad. I don't want to give that impression. It's it's one that you know if you're on a, a on a long drive and this is on the radio, you're gonna. This is one I'm going to listen to. Um, essentially, it's a nice pop ditty. It's 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 not one that will ever top the list of greatest songs ever in the history of humanity. But for what it is, it's good. Um, Billy Joel does have a range as a singer, but in this particular song. And I did put my critic hat on for this, so a lot of this I, is essentially going to be me nitpicking more than anything. <laughs> but you know, that's what I bring to the table when I do this. But I think with his, I, he was singing. I felt in a deeper range than he normally does, and for this particular song, it felt like at times he was forcing it um, in terms of getting the lyrics out. Um, it, in my opinion. Um, I did like the feeling that it was, you know, kind of being played in a small club, um, but the vocals at the end were just, the, the vocal interplay that they had at the end was just not needed. Yeah, I don't know if it was that he was singing it in a lower range on purpose or if he was just trying to kind of, I kind of got a feeling he was trying to maybe do a little bit of kind of, hey, 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 a little Elvis on it maybe. Uh, I don't know. It just, because... People should try it, you know, just try to sing in a key lower than what you normally do. And sometimes your voice, your vocal cords just don't have that capability to hit that lower note. And it just sounds like you're forcing it. And I, You're talking about like when he was like, you may be right, I may be crazy. That part. You may be wrong, but you may be, you know, just yeah. kind of the lower parts of the song. There. But again, to be clear, this is not a bad song. I enjoyed it, but... You know, it, it. You know, I have to offer a critique somewhere. Yeah, honestly, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. I, I just, I like it. It's like as soon as I hear the breaking glass, and I'm just like, Billy Joel, and I'm like singing along. It's definitely one of those that I would put on a, um, on a playlist that for driving in the car. Okay. All right, track two. Sometimes a fantasy. Um, this one, it's, you know, it's it's got the kind of sing-along ability because it's got the oh at the end as the sort of chorus in there and it's got the I, I like the guitar and the bass work on here it's just kind of it's really driving it kind of pushes it's got that pushing kind of feeling to it yeah uh, me I wrote um, you know the gag that they had at the opening with the phone um, the, the, I, I kind of dug that it's similar to something that Cheap Trick tricked it later with mm -hmm. the song She's Tight um, as far as the song, uh, to me, honestly, Billy Joel, I, 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 I said in the notes that he was kind of like the Hall of Notes of the 70s. And I don't mean that as an insult. Um, because, you know, they had tight, catchy songs that were great for that era, but mm -hmm. haven't, don't, not all of Billy Joel's stuff necessarily last the test of time. And this is one of those. Um, and... I, I could see this showing up in like an '80s teen comedy starring Jason Bateman. Just <laughs> it, it just one of those. They would have a song like this just like halfway through. Like you'd probably have, have it during like a montage where mm -hmm. the main character is like finding the right clothes to impress the girl or something like that. Um, again, not, I, I'm not saying it's a bad song to be clear, it, but it it uh, it's a product of its time. It is a product of its time, and actually. I would consider Hollow Notes and Billy Joel 
basically in the same genre for this time period for sure yeah and and, and yeah that's why i wanted to make it clear that i wasn't insulting either billy joel or hollow notes i mean they have a similar sound yeah track three is called don't ask me why um i really like the melody on this i think the melody is pretty it's got because it and it has kind of a slight flamenco feel to it it's not so much electric guitar on this one it's more acoustic-y yeah Acoustic-y. That's not even a word. <laughs> now it is, damn it. Yeah. It's episode 100. We can make up fucking words. Fuck yeah. 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 All right. Um, the notes I had, the song has always reminded me of that theme song from the early 80s kids show, The Letter People. Come and meet the letter people. Come and Was sing the ABC. Was that a regional thing? what i remember that I must posted, be because i've never heard of the letter people i because i remember they had a big puppet called mr t the puppet and like his te- his teeth was just the letter t and he would talk i think that's a regional thing i bet if you look up the letter people it'll be like yeah this is fucking michigan <laughs> that's how we entertained ourselves there um because we had ramblin rod ramblin rod hey and i already um, told you about bumpity 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 bump bump. Um, the theme song for Bumpity was that popcorn song. Do you know the popcorn song? Do 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 I bet if I played it for you, you'd know what I was talking about. Maybe. Um, the rest of the notes I have um, for this particular song, Billy is channeling his inner Paul McCartney. Um, McCartney should sue for gimmick infringement. The harmonies in the song were good for what they were, but Billy Joel was just vamping. Um, again, what? It, it, to me, it felt like a Paul uh, McCartney cosplay type of song. Um, the piano solo felt odd. It didn't seem to fit with the rest of the song. It felt jarring. Other than that, wasn't bad, and it's similar to uh, the other track that I mentioned. Um, I'm not going to say it's the greatest song ever, but if it's on the radio, I'm not going to. I'm not going to change the station. So it is what it is. So again, that's me with a critic hat on. And, you know, it, it, <clears throat> Billy Joel is very upfront about how the Beatles influenced him. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm out of line here by, you know, you know, stating that he had a definite Paul McCartney type of influence with this mm-hmm. song. But, you know, the moment I, it, it's one thing to kind of take something from your past as an artist and try to make something new with that I just don't think he necessarily accomplished it because once I heard the Paul McCartney feel all I can think of was better Paul McCartney songs that's just me again with the critic hat on it's not a bad song I just for whatever reason a a little extra critical on on this particular one so alright track 4 it's still rock and roll to me I like this song a lot I like the guitar I like the sax I like the cruising in your car references, and, and it's just like it just goes. It's just, it's another good driving song. For me, I, I did say it was a good song. I mean, it is classic for a reason. It reminds me of other songs from this era from artists like Bob Seger and Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, in the fact that um, th- this is a successful way of taking an older sound and putting a modern spin on it. Um, and, and kind of, you know, celebrating that older s- sound as well. I mean, Bob Seger with old-time rock and roll um, was very much a classic sound, but he brought 
70s rock, you know, loudness to it, which, you know, is a, a kind of a celebration. In a lot of ways, it's kind of, and this is a weird analogy, but if you've seen the movies, you kind of get what I'm saying. It's kind of like what um, Jason Siegel did with the Muppets in 2011, the Muppets movie, um, the one that he did. And he took an old format and was able to create something new while honoring that old uh, format. That's what I meant by that. So um, the sax solo, I dug. Um, it, I, I would have preferred for his backing singers that he didn't use himself. If he had different backup singers doing harmonies with him, I, I, I probably would have liked that more. Um, I, I just didn't like the fact that I knew it was him and it just didn't sound right to mm-hmm. me. So, anyway. All right. So, track five is called All for Lena. This song I thought was kind of unusual in a way because it kind of starts out with him just like with the reg- with a regular piano and then as the song goes towards its end and builds to its crescendo um, this kind of psychedelic keyboard stuff starts happening in there but the sort of it's not my favorite track on the album but the kind of theme of the song kind of like obsession like the way that it's that the melody goes and the lyrics are talking about like you know I'm stuck in my room I'm thinking about her thinking about her and my dad thinks I'm crazy and I'm just thinking about her I can identify with that this song Bon Jovi stole the opening keyboard uh, riff for his song Runaway I mean you you put those songs it's the same Mm -hmm. keyboard Um, and I don't know this this didn't do it for me. I thought it was one of the worst tracks on the album. Yeah. Um, his vocalization, like my yang, mm-hmm. stop. Um, it it really came across it, it, to me that I didn't feel any passion for it. It the note I had was that it kind of came off as if he were a Broadway singer trying to sing a rock song because a vocalist on Broadway is doing something different compared to what a rock artist does. And it just felt it, it felt forced, and I, I just really didn't care for it. Well, the whole kind of theme of the song is obsession, because he's obsessed with this girl. So the reason kind of why it sounds disjointed and weird is because if you think about how you feel when you're disjointed and weird, this is kind of what that sounds like. But I, I just didn't like how he executed it, you know, like, my yind. You know. I've heard, I've heard worse. Yeah. All right, track six. Like the Casey Musgrave album, you fuck. No. <laughs> track six is called I Don't Want to Be Alone. Um, I think it's kind of, it's identifiable. Like, the, if you listen to the lyrics, it has that kind of feeling like someone's telling you we have to talk, and then you get together and you talk, and you realize, oh, wait, they're on the same page as I am. They really want to be with me after all. That's what I got from it. My notes, um, it sounds like the keyboard player of a Holiday Inn cover band getting a little courage after drinking some whiskey. Um, the music music on here is technically proficient, but I just didn't feel the passion. Um, just my take on it. Um, I, I would put this in, in the category of songs I wouldn't necessarily listen to voluntarily, but wouldn't change the channel on the radio. I could have done without the sexy sax solo. <laughs> <laughs> that and i also think that uh the the lyrics really could have been uh edited um again i have no problem with singers that that 
have a lot of lyrics, but they, you have to be able to execute that as well. I mean, because, you know, otherwise you're going to sound like Bruce Springsteen uh, in some of his early tracks where it's just blah, just like verbal diarrhea. Okay. All right, next track. Track seven is Sleeping With The Television On. Um, I like the beginning of this song with the sound of the TV going off the air. as evokes a, a memory that you don't hear. You don't get that anymore because it never goes off the air. It's always on, and if it's not showing programs, it's showing infomercials. Yeah. So it, at one point in the in the past, kids, the television stations would go off the air at night, and so they would play like usually um, taps or the national anthem or something patriotic, and then like you hear this, you hear the end of "At the Home of the Brave," and then it's like. And then you know the, it turns to snow and it's like poltergeist on your tv and that's why poltergeist isn't scary to kids anymore yeah because that would just mean that with the snow on the tv that would just mean that the cable was out and that's i guess that's scary because that means the internet's out <laughs> anyway anyway sleeping with the television on um it's kind of a generic song i i honestly i don't have any feelings about it really I don't hate it. I don't mind it. To me, the notes were similar to other tracks. I mean, it just, he felt, again, like a Broadway singer trying to sing popular music. Um, just, it, it it didn't sit well with me, um, you know, with what I like in a singer. Um, I, I wish, again, that he had different singers for his background vocalist. Um, you know, I get probably budgetary wise, he saved a lot of money being, you know, with just himself, uh, <laughs> singing those songs. But, you know, th there's something to be said about, you know, two or more people, you know, singing different type of harmonies together. I mean, look at what Fleetwood Mac, you know, is able to do mm -hmm. even today, you know, with, with the different harmonies. Um, I also, the keyboard solo, the keyboard sounded like a circus organ that kind of took me out of my head. <laughs> You know, right now, you know, anyway. <laughs> All right. Track eight. C'est à toi. Uh, you were the one. Because I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it, it's French. It's not sneezing. Anyway, I think this song is really pretty. I, I like the French. I like where he sings in French. I like the accordion. It's very, the accordion is not, it's not like Weird Al Yankovic accordion. It's very soft and makes you makes you feel like you're somewhere in europe i like this song don't give me that look I, and that's great i'm that's, <laughs> don't, yeah um my notes i didn't care for his delivery overall and you're gonna hit me when i say this but the song sounded like the type of music you would hear in a 70s porn once the sex starts it just I, no it doesn't Seventies porn is like all baseline and bounce to bounce to bounce. Why do you think? Why do you think people say bounce to bow bow? I that's the impression I got. Maybe um, if you're talking about like super fancy like seventies porn where they're trying to play it off as a French art movie, uh, which a lot of seventies porn did. I mean, they they tried to present okay. it as actual films and whatnot. So. I mean, even something as terrible as Debbie Does Dallas was presented with a quote-unquote story. Okay. I'm sure people needed to hear that on episode one. I'm sure, sure they did. Um, I, you know, I, 
I, I just thought the song was pretentious. It was my least favorite song on the album. So. All right, track nine, close to the borderline. Um, I liked the guitar work. Um, if you listen to the lyrics, it, it talks about like basically society going to hell in a handbasket. And at the time, that was pretty accurate. It actually references like the climate, refers to, you know, smog and stuff. And it's just, the problem is, is I don't like, I don't like a lot of the, the things he did with his voice on it. But close to the borderline. Ain, ain, ain. And you gave me trouble when I was commenting on how he goes, my yang. <laughs> I didn't like it on this song. Okay. For me, I, uh, the notes I had, nice guitar riff to open the song. Yeah, um, the guitar the, was very good. Yeah, the song itself was kind of like a, a stone song, a Rolling Stone song, and I mm -hmm. dug it. Um, and I wrote here, too, that if he had delivered more songs like this, I probably would have enjoyed the album a lot more than I did. <laughs> and that's saying something, because for the most part, despite my critiques here, I mean, the, the fact that we're doing a critique, I try to be as thorough as I can, but don't get the impression I... I dislike the album because that's not the case i like the album and i really like this song um it's really bringing the passion which i dug the dual guitar solos were great they sounded nice dirty and filthy um the way a guitar solo should be um his vocals were on par i loved it i mean i, I put it on my playlist wow that's how much i liked it i'm shocked actually yeah uh the last track on the album is called through the long night um, I really like this one. I, I I think it's kind of sweet, the way that the the melody is, and then he uses some different um, instrumental sounds in here. I believe there was some cello or violin going on in the background on this song. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just overall I I think it's a good way to close the album because he starts out with it being like boom, and then he just sort of ends it with like, okay, let's calm down now go to bed i don't know i just there's something about this song that kind of it, it does kind of lull me to sleep if i was making like a sleepy time playlist i would put this on it uh, to me i did write uh, that once again he was channeling his inner paul mccartney um you know you could uh, the beatles uh influence is it definitely hits you over the head like a hammer mm -hmm. um some of the violin sounds that you were uh, sounds you were talking about were uh, you know like similar to i believe stuff like strawberry fields forever mm -hmm. uh, type of violin um so i don't know i i thought of this song like i guess you know like i think of like rock songs today i mean you hear a rock song today and you can hear the influence of older bands but if you've heard the older band first and you're in love with that older band you're gonna think it's just derivative and you're not gonna get as much enjoyment out of it yeah. as someone who um is younger and the music is honestly directed towards yeah and the fact that i was listening to this for the first time when i was in fifth grade yeah and it was one of the first albums that was mine. I didn't have to share it with anybody. It's mine. It's mine. And just, I just, I like, there's some of the lyrics. There's this one, one line that's, um, all your past sins have since passed. And I just, I really like that line because it, it gives the impression that no matter what you do, you can come back from it. That you may have messed up in the past but at that moment you're together with that person and everything's okay yeah 
which is a mode of thinking that more people should have today instead of, you know, the uh, mindset of person makes one mistake and they must be written out of existence forever. <laughs> and I just I just like the idea of, you know, how in relationships sometimes you have you either make mistakes or you have bad days and but at the end of the day you can come together through the long night and still be there for each other. Yeah. That's what I like about that song. It's how I, it's how it makes me, makes me feel. And that how it makes me feel when we do the show. Aww. Aww. That's it. That's it. That's all I gotta say about this album. Just it's one of my favorites. Yeah. For I many mean, reasons. Hundred episodes in. It's a lot of episodes. Yeah. I mean, if we were a TV show, we'd be going into syndication right now. Oh yeah, and we'd we'd have like a big wrap party with a cake that said one hundred on it. Yeah. Where's my cake? Where's my cake? Where's my fucking cake? Where's my fucking cake? (laughs) No. Give me the fucking cake. (laughs) I want a cake. We'll save that for episode two (laughs) hundred. No, the next episode will be you and me throwing cake at each other, and we'll just record the splotchy sounds of cake being thrown. And then people were wondering what has actually happened. <laughs> Is that cake or I don't what? please be cake, please what? be cake, please be cake. <laughs> Next time we join you, episode one oh one will be my album wow, choice. One oh one. Yeah, we're in the three digits now. You know what? There's a really good Depeche album Depeche Mode album called One O One. Depeche Mode One O One is a bunch of live concerts. It was really, really good. But I will not listen to Depeche Mode. Yes, you will. At some point. <laughs> oh, God. I had to get one in. <laughs> Never going to hear the end of that ever. Ever. It's funny. Come on. Oh, Tim. But... Next time we meet up for episode 101, I will not do a poll this time. I've been wanting to talk about it. You've been wanting to listen to it. So Black Sabbath Paranoid. Oh, yeah. Will be what we listen to and discuss next time. I think I can get behind this. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Their second album... And when your second album has three of the all-time greatest heavy metal songs ever on it... Gotta talk about it. You gotta talk about it, and you're gonna enjoy it. And, you know, it'll... I think, too, you will probably get a new appreciation for Ozzy as a singer. Okay. You know, let's put it that way. All right. Cool, yeah, because I'm being honest. I, you know, I like what I've heard, but I haven't heard everything. And... I don't think I could ever hear everything in the world musically without my brain exploding. No! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you don't want a clean brain off the walls. I've done I that don't... once. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's 100 episodes. 100 episodes 100 in. episodes. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. And you know considering most podcasts die after like 20 or so episodes that's saying a lot especially with the hiatus we took yep i mean this is an accomplishment it is you should be proud definitely proud next we need a live show we still need to do a live show and i've got an i i got a killer idea for a live show that i think would be successful and fun all right 
One of these days. One of these days. One of these days. All right, we are wrapping up episode 100. I can't believe we've gotten this far. I mean, we've had a wonderful time uh, recording with everybody uh, with today's episode, with Professor Aubrey, with Tracy, with Kim. Um, But Kim was having a conversation with me, and she said, for your 100th episode, why not have your sister on to talk out some of the stuff you've talked about in in, uh, previous episodes? And... I resisted, I resisted, because who really wants to talk to your sister? Am I right? But anyway, here she is. Say hi. Hello. As we do with anybody that's new on the show, why don't you tell folks your nerd origin story? Oh. I mean, popular culture stuff. I kind of like the old TV shows. Um, One of them is um, the Golden Girls. Oh, God. You know, yeah, you're oh. making fun of me all those times with that one, but that was one of my favorites. You Still deserved is. it. You deserved it. I mean, <laughs> like Seinfeld, for instance, had Elaine do that goofy dance. I mean, you look like a full body dry heave when you were dancing and you were singing the song and it just so many. Oh, my God. The PTSD I got. The PTSD? Seriously? Yeah, just just the just that theme song starts and I start shaking and it's just like no, get it, you know, it's you know that gif of Homer Simpson when he's pouring bleach in his eyes. That's how I feel. Gif. It says gif. It's gif. Okay. All right. Yeah, but the people that created it pronounce it gif. So it is a whatever. GIF. Honestly, I think you're just making this up. Maybe one time I kind of moved white girl, moved back and forth. But other than that, come on. Nope. I think you're making stuff up. Every Saturday at 8 o'clock when that theme song hit, you would jump up in front of the TV, start dancing, and start singing. It was the most god-awful thing <sighs> I have ever seen. It's... Uh, oh. Uh, Are you sure you're not thinking of, like, the facts of life or something like that? Because how do you dance to the Golden Girls thing? You're making this up. I you're am making not making this up. up. I, how, why would I make this up? Why would I make this up? How? What? Because everything is Colleen's fault. I never said that. Well. I only said it was your fault when you deserve it, like the window. Remember that? Oh, no. Don't even start with the window. If There, there was perfect science involved there do you know why i went through the window is because you were pulling on me and i was pulling away and you, you let go me. yeah you shouldn't have been up there in the first then place i was being the responsible <laughs> older brother i was trying to save your life then you shouldn't have been pulling on me you, you should shouldn't have, just have been up there no 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 it doesn't matter you, you pulled science happened you pulled and i went and the other opposite direction. Hmm? Yeah, and then yeah. and then and then I had you do the responsible thing to call Ma, but then the moment she like d- does that Dukes of Hazard turn into the driveway, what do you do? You run and hide. Some of us are smarter than others. Because uh, I knew what Mom would do if I hid too. I'm not stupid. Jeez. I had a nice closet. It was a good closet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had the better Yours was closet. Bigger, though. I had the bigger. No, you had the bigger closet. I had the Mine big... was just kind of cooler. No, I had the bigger room. No, your closet was bigger. Everything was bigger. Anyway. You don't have to be right about everything. Your closet was about the same. A closet's a closet. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, you're not. What? You're gonna take a nap in there? Get 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 a fondue set or something? Anyway. 
Yeah, just that. What else? My God, just, uh... Yeah, I mean, for a while you thought you were going to be a singer. When I was, what, ten? Yeah. And? How many ten-year-olds think that? Not many. <laughs> Probably a lot. Not no, many. No, no, you're wrong. I, I knew you're at wrong. ten I couldn't sing. I was responsible. You were responsible? 100% responsible at all times. Okay, well... Yeah, well, now what about the time that I convinced you you were adopted? Is that my fault? Yes, that was completely your fault. That was evil. I was bawling, I think. I don't remember exactly. But look in the mirror. We look exactly alike. How could you think, seriously think, that we were adopted? That you were adopted? I didn't know that I even looked like my our mother until I got to the age that I am now, so... Oh, the... How am I supposed to know? Oh my god, I remember the dreams you used to say you had. You you used to dream that, like, everybody was an egg. No, I was an egg, actually. You got that wrong. You just forgot it. Eggs, just... I mean, who the no, fuck... No, I was an egg. egg. Okay, why were you an egg? I don't know, some Freudian thing. Who knows? I mean, you're the one who got the master's degree, so explain the egg. <laughs> master's in religious education, and now I'm an atheist. <laughs> Look where that got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The egg, I, yeah, I don't know. That's it? You don't know? You can't speculate? What What? What could it have been? I was protecting myself. I was protecting myself, okay? You were, oh, you, you didn't want the, sh the world to break your shell? <laughs> no, I didn't want to break what's on the inside. The shell was there to protect me. On the inside, it's all rotten, right? <laughs> Probably. I am a demon spawn, so... Well, true, I can attest to that. Um, anyway, so you've listened to the show for 100 episodes now. What have you thought about it? I think it's pretty good. Um, Only pretty good? There's... What the fuck's wrong with you? Well, I mean, you know, the audio quality has leaves lots to be desired, but... Well, yes. I mean, one, that's, <laughs> uh, that's due to the technology I have. When you're a startup podcast, you don't have always have the resources available to get the absolute best in audio quality, but... Excuses, excuses, excuses. This is, pro this is proper business etiquette. It is, not a it is not excuses. I mean, but what I like about the audio type of quality on the show is the fact that the audience is kind of like a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I like that aspect of it. Now, granted, the episodes where I had multiple people on all at once, yeah, probably not a good idea and something I would not do again. But, um, you know, the, when it, when you get two or three people talking around a microphone, sure, it's not, it's not like listening to all things considered. Um, you know, especially with my Perry Farrell impression. But still. I like that impression, actually. Oh, Kim hates Don't it. tell Kim. Don't tell Kim. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's going to be on the episode regardless, and I did it twice during this episode, so maybe I should Does do... she listen to the show? Does she... Yeah. Oh, okay. Does she listen... She's on the show. Of course she's going to listen to it. <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. <laughs> okay. I, I, it's it's quite it's answers like that that make me wish you were adopted because then I wouldn't have to say. <laughs> anyway, do you have say, a? Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? 
Well, I did like the live stream. I don't know if you made that an episode or not, but I love that I got some some good burns in on you during that episode. What live stream? The recording. Oh, you were high. Oh, that was our one year anniversary. Yeah, I mentioned it during that episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, no. I just the the burn that I you don't remember the burn. It was what about was your the burn? hair. What did you say about oh, my wait. hair? Well, you don't have hair. Well, I don't try to hide that fact. Oh, okay. All right. What do you think? I'm trying to do a comb over like Uncle Bob used to do? I don't remember Uncle, Uncle Bob, so I can't even <laughs> I talked to <laughs> him once, but Aunt Sharon told me that he tried to do a comb over one time, and then she just had to tell him, just stop. Look how stupid <laughs> just... he was. Oh, I think one of our cousins was doing that for a while. <laughs> Matt? <laughs> it, no, no, it was Bob, the, oh. you know, the junior. Okay. Um, but I don't think he's doing that anymore. But anyways. Um, yeah, he yeah, lost more hair so... than me. Well, I don't know. I guess you take after the Jalsma side? I don't know. I don't know what... Yeah, Ma used to say that all the time. You're just like your father. Hey, great, thanks. (laughs) Well, we definitely physically take after Dad. Sure. I mean, in... In a lot of ways, though, she got it wrong because in a lot of ways, I'm really more like her than she wanted to admit, and you're more like dad than she wanted to admit, but the fact that you were extroverted... How am I like dad? You are just like him in a lot of ways. How? Tell me. I'm not your therapist. No. No. This is so... You want to give some feedback? Give me some real feedback. Or is this not what you want in your podcast? Huh? this is a celebration of 100 episodes and it's my show so i can do what i want so nana nana boo boo <laughs> oh Stick speaking of what you want to do do what you want so i put a poll over in the friends talking nerdy facebook group and out of the how let's see what is that right now so the poll is should tim see uh the princess bride and right now, the poll is 14 saying yes and one saying no. And the one has more votes than anybody else, so no, the no's win out. Honestly, I think your viewers, viewers, <laughs> your listeners need to actually, like, reach out and say that they really want to... They want you to watch this movie. No, Andre the Giant made me cry as a kid, and that is something I will never forgive. The only way I will ever watch that movie is if Hulk Hogan himself says it's okay to watch. So if you can get you are Hulk... 11 years old. If you can get Hulk Hogan to say it's okay to watch The Princess Bride, then I will watch The Princess Bride. Until 11. then, I'm going to hold a grudge. I, I was hurt. I was supporting Hulk Hogan. And when Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, screwed him, I, I just couldn't help it. I mean, I remember running out of mom's room crying, no weeping, because it was an important moment in my life. And you and Ma looked up because you were watching something stupid and were like, what's going on? And then, you know, I ran to my room and then you both saw what happened at the end of the match with the twin referees. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I don't remember that. 
I, I still think you should see it. No, I'm not going to see it because Andre the Giant made me cry, and th- th- that's just a fact. So again, if you can get Hulk Hogan to say, Tim, watch that movie, then I will gladly watch that movie. But until then... Fine. Let's make this happen, people. Something. If you can find it in some interview somewhere, that'd be great. Because this little... This little boy needs to grow up. This little boy gonna, needs to grow up. You were going to call me a bitch, weren't you? No. You were. Gonna, she was going to call me a Can you believe this? Out of the graciousness of my heart, I let my sister on this show on the important milestone episode 100, and she was about to call me a bitch. I was about to call you a pussy, and I wanted to be more PC, okay? Have you heard this show? <laughs> I almost got Luke to swear on this show. That was funny. But anyway, anything else you want to say? I want to congratulate you and all of the current and former hosts on 100 episodes. And hopefully you can finally improve the quality. Like, come on. Hey, how about you start a podcast and see how hard it is to uh, get it up and running. So when, when you can do that, then you can talk about quality. Until then, this is the greatest podcast you have never heard of. Okay. It, it, it is. I mean, just, I, you know, if I got Phil right here, my cat. He's going to agree with me. Right, Phil? Okay. okay. Yeah? Anyway, he was just pissed off I picked him up. Anyway. You're not on my side, bitch. Anyway, um, anything else? Nope. All right. We are wrapping up episode 100 then. Thank you all for listening over these past few years. Uh, Cannot believe once again that we got to episode 100, but we did it. Thank you all for listening. And remember... It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new. And I'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will, too. You always make each day such a special day. You know how. By just your being you. Only one person in the whole world like you. That's you yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Subscribe to Friends Talking Dirty on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.